are now listening to Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Holosuite Media. Tune in to our live show every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is Admiral James T. Kirk of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Your presence here is an act of war. You have two minutes to surrender your crew and your vessel, or we will destroy you. Admiral Kirk, this is your opponent speaking. Do not lecture me on treaty violations as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you? Who I am is not important. Listen to discretion. Yes. You cling on, bastard. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to episode 254 of Tribbles and Ecstasy. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow, and joining me in the studio today, we have got... Hello, everybody. It's Dragon. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Dragon's back. Stewdog is also here. And hopefully we'll have a couple of the others turning up in a wee bit. Stragglers. Well, we are recording on a different day due to um, problems with people's health and work so um it's Stuff. a little yeah <laughs> it's Reasons. a little bit of it's a little bit of a juggle when it comes to the weekend so with people's other commitments for family and such anyways let's get on to star trek online star trek Oh yeah, we has bumpers now. We do indeed. <laughs> bump, bump, bump. So, Stu, did you want to go through the event calendar? Indeed. So, for those of you joining us today, Sunday the 26th, we got the Arena of Sompec event running until tomorrow. We got 20% off boffs, companions, and species from the Sea Store. That's on PC still. That's running until tomorrow as well. For the console, the anniversary event is still ongoing until the 16th of March. The second week of featured episode rewards from Of Times and Portents is going on as well. We'll have more on that in the console segment as there's a new reward coming from that. The Temporal Agent event week two 
is also ongoing and there'll be more information on that in the console segment as well a dilithium boost bonus weekend running until tomorrow 20% off ships and 20% off services running until tomorrow then on the 2nd of March the bonus EXP weekend and the breach are back on PC yeah I'm looking forward to onto the breach I do enjoy that mission so just hope I get time to play oh yeah well it's a it's a 14 days that you need to log into it out of the 21 so there is a little bit of a stopgap in case you can't make it every day yeah I just know I'm not running it on every damn one of my tunes again. Oh, hell no. Yeah, I just tend to run it on the one. Especially these days, I haven't had the time. Though it I would just, be nice. I just ran it on a few. I ran it on a few others that needed marks for things. Because there's a the handy marks of your choice package dropped from it as well. I made the mistake of trying to do it on 10 tunes last year, and only seven of them completed because I got fed up with the mission. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, okay. Well, one of the other bits of news we have for Star Trek Online is that they are now on YouTube. Though, if you search Star Trek Online, you won't just have the perfect world channel. Um, so, um, there is a YouTube link um, as well for Stowe and Neverwinter's community live stream that they did during the ARC downtime. So I didn't get a chance to go into that live stream. Have you guys had a chance to check it out? I did watch through the, the Neverwinter and Stowe um, community managers live stream. It was mostly focused on Neverwinter. Uh, they had a lot of the the devs from Neverwinter popping in to talk about Neverwinter. But um, in all honesty, that, that didn't really hold much interest to me because I, I don't play Neverwinter. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played Neverwinter, well, since it launched. Bit I mean, too much. <laughs> it was all just too much ground for me. And at the time, I didn't have the ability to use a mouse. So <laughs> it was extremely <laughs> difficult to play. <laughs> If anything, it's a, an entertaining watch and it'd be nice to drop a wee comment on it saying like, ah, I play Stowe and I watched your stream. Well, they don't yet have a custom name for the channel. Um, so it's just a bunch of alphanumeric characters. So we'll have the link in our show notes or if you go to YouTube, just type in Star Trek Online, I'm sure. It will show up at somewhere there, although there'll be a lot of videos that also go up. Yeah, but the, the name of the channel itself is just Star Trek Online, so it yeah, should okay. pop up reasonably high in the searches. Well, hopefully, but because there's not that much in the way of videos, whether or not current videos for channels that have subscribers would be higher, I'm not too sure. I suppose it depends on their search algorithms. YouTube algorithm is a mysterious beast. So, the Arena of Sompek. Um, this was the special event that we mentioned last week. Now, this is for all factions. Basically, you get a chance to queue up, and you're basically taking part in a holodeck arena. 
and it's for people who are levels 50 to 60 and basically there are 100 levels and you've got to see how far you can get and you get sort of rewards based on your progression now basically you don't get anything if you don't get to at least round four and you can get marks you can get dilithium and you can get crafting materials so now as i've mentioned i'm not really one for ground i do prefer my space but this was a lot of fun so i have enjoyed it now i've only got i've completed up to level 32 myself so I got killed in level 33. That was on my first playthrough. And I've only ever played it twice since. In which I got... I completed round 24. And then today round 27 was the furthest that I got. So I haven't quite beat my previous first attempt. Of getting to level 33. Where did you guys get to? Well, I've been rolling it quite a lot on characters that need marks because you get rewarded with the choice of your marks so i think probably about the same as you midnight i got to the mid 30s before being offed yesterday afternoon as for lowest i am happy to say the lowest rank that i'd ever achieved in it is round three i left with nothing (laughs) (laughs) um it was the lightning round i don't feel so bad now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was it was a lightning round and there were Tholians and everyone just got rooted and zapped and it was just carnage to to just see it happen to everyone just an entire team wipe in the space of three seconds oh yeah there are some rounds depending on your enemy that you get if you're in the lightning round today's one eyes against the new mechs and sort of they've got those things where they pounce on you and then the sort of like the big shock things. It's just like, ah, and then you've got like the lightning strikes. It's like, no, when it sort of takes out most of the team, it's just like, there's still one person. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> the time is nearly done. What about you, Dragon? Well, I can actually happily say that the best I've done is actually round 45, which, yeah, that one was a lot of fun. Congrats. Um, and the worst I've done was, yeah, round three. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was one of those of, uh, I had a horrible lag spike, and it looked like everybody else in the round did too, because it was like everybody got one-shotted, and it was over, like, instantly. But yeah, like you, Midnight, I'm not a person for ground. I never have been. This arena event's been a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Thing is, we actually played this event yesterday together. um, And we pugged it with three other people. And literally within the first few rounds, somebody dropped out. So it was already gone from five to four. Uh, But despite that, we still managed to complete 24 rounds, which was pretty good going. Well, yeah, I mean, I I was in a, a group where one dropped out and we got to the late 20s with just four people. So, um, but yeah, it's a shame that it's just been this weekend because this event's only been running from patch day, which was Thursday the 23rd, and it will run until I think it's 10 p.m. Pacific tomorrow, which is Monday 27th. So... 
I think they probably run it for a short amount of time for two reasons. One, just to see how it gets. And two, to make it that people don't have much time to... It's a bit like the no-win scenario is they people can easily get and complete it. Um, but secondly, because they've just revamped all the ground stuff um, when it comes to sort of powers and things like that, um, just to see how it goes. So... Um, and I think maybe on a third point, it's just to try and get everybody in at one point. But yeah, um, I haven't had any issues with the gameplay or anything else like that personally. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. What's been your weapon of choice? For me, I've had the, was it the AR-116 um, B and TR. The TR. What did I say? AR. Yeah. And um, the Tholian Sword, um, which is my go-to melee weapon. So what have you guys been using for your weapons? Well, on my my main, I run the TR-116, fully upgraded. And on all of my alts, they all ran the recent Crystalline. So they've all got the projector weapon from that which is an absolute beast of a weapon uh the only problem that has is that it doesn't harm romulans and it heals tholians so i just switched to whatever i've got in the secondary slot and that's generally a a bajoran pistol or rifle for when they show up <laughs> and then back to back to the tholian weapon when they go away again <laughs> yeah. Um, I use the TR-116B quite a bit uh, in there just because I happen to have the uh, the sniper trait and, and yeah, it comes in real handy. Uh, the other one I use is uh, usually a... Uh, Ooh, you're Skyping uh, rather badly there. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, mm, I think we may have a problem there with Dragon. Hopefully, he's fallen he'll... into the wormhole again. Yeah, well, hopefully he'll be back with us shortly. Um, every now and then, his ping spikes, um, which gives me very bad memories to the connection issue we had when we talked to Armin Shimmerman and Tony Amendola at that time. That was an editing nightmare trying to deal with the reverb and echo <laughs> of that one. So, but yeah, every now and then his uh, ping goes up to um, a good few thousand with a plus or minus of a good sort of few thousand as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully that will calm down in a wee bit. So, um, I do have a few notes in the combat log section, so yeah. we can discuss cool. that. Uh, later when we get down to it now in this event there are some titles that you can get um rewarded with the first two um you get for every seven rounds and the final two titles are for reaching the 70th round so given the progress that we all got we've all got the first two lots of titles and um yeah none of us have actually got the 70th yet Okay, so from what I've been hearing from, there was a live stream of the Arena of Sompec, uh, 
on Friday night from the new community manager, Mike, and he says that some of the later titles are missing from the event and they'll be added next time. But, oh, wait a minute, we cannot confirm or deny that there will or will not be a next time. But uh, Well, given how will be. <laughs> popular this has tended to be, I very much doubt they'd go to that much work and not bring it back at some point. <laughs> So I think that's just basically promising there's no guarantee when it will be back. So, um, okay, so the people who, if they have been able to get to the 70th round, might not have actually got their titles. Okay, now, as well as the titles, each time you get to, I think it's round four, um, you can get a voucher, which will... um, allow you the module for arena lightning strikes um, when you're doing your normal gameplay. So you need to get three of them, and this is rewarded um, once every 20 hours, um, as long as you get to round four. Um, So, yeah, and that's only once per day per account. So I didn't actually check whether the voucher was account-bound, because of course, it is good. Because I've got to say, if you did it on one and then you did it on another one, and it was character bound, and you only get it once per account, you're screwed. Okay, now that my spike, now that my ping spike appears to be over, my main weapon is the TR-116B, and I usually use some sort of a pulse wave weapon as my other. And yeah, I tend to use a whole a lot of kit abilities. <laughs> So, but uh, yeah, they do recommend if you um, at the beginning of the mission, they do recommend that you take in a melee weapon because there are because basically you can fight any enemy mob, ground mob that is in the game. So, um, so yeah, there are some ground mobs which really don't do well with energy weapons at all. So, um. Melee is really good, so you've got the Borg. Um, oh, what are those um, ground bugs? Um, Bluegills. Bluegills. Um, they tend to go down well with melee weapons because they're slow and they tend to sort of, well, for me especially, <laughs> sort of always end up getting trapped because they just swarm you. So just swinging around a sword seems to get more than one so um, I find that um, melee works good with them plus there's the assimilated undine occasionally yep oh um, occasionally there's two of them (laughs) so um, so yeah they they do recommend um, having a melee weapon Um, because I know Dragon you said that you'd got two non-melees okay it's good to see the salt vampires thrown in there as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at one point on one of my matches, I actually got turned into a salt vampire. It's like, yeah, they do me? that weird confusy skill on you. <laughs> yeah, only thing is, is it means that your team can shoot you. <laughs> so, and, uh, so I suppose it's not too bad if the rest of your team are down. They're not going to shoot you, so you're not actually going to just someone's going to kill you off, but if there are people left, <laughs> they start killing you. 
um, doesn't really help things. So, but yeah, definitely an enjoyable mission. So, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that again. Okay, so there's a new roleplay blog which was released called The Means to an End. Now, this gave a little bit of a of insight into the Zinkethi and sort of them getting the proto-matter technology. So it looks from the sounds of things that they actually got it from the Lucari, but maybe without their knowledge because of a jolly old Ferengi. This, in my mind, it has tones similar to the episode of Voyager where they come across this alien race who have a spatial trajector technology that can make people travel 40,000 light years. And they do like back alley, back street deals to try and get the technology. That's what this strikes me as with the the conversations that the Zenkethi have with the Ferengi. But what well, I did the Ferengi's know... eyes did glow with greed. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what I did notice, of course, at the beginning was the date. This is going back years before we start in the game of 2409. So this is the lead up to what we're doing now. Um, Zenkethi started on this route long before a lot of stuff that's happened. Um so it'll be interesting to see how they mix in the storylines with Zenkethi and what they had planned with things that happened with, um, oh, um, I've got the alien race, the godlike ones. Um, Iconian. Iconians. <laughs> Complete blank, then. Oh, come on. Them. They named an episode after you and you forgot? Oh, I remember the mission. Just the, it was the race that I couldn't remember, and it was bugging me because I've only just watched the Voyager mission where Paris talks about the Iconians. Um, and oh, yeah, I just had a complete memory blank. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see if we get any mention of that in any other roleplay blogs or the missions themselves, because if the Federation and the Klingons were such sort of a threat to the Zenkethi, then what do they think of all this other stuff going on? And did that maybe delay their plans? Because I think, was it 10 years before? Yeah, uh, um, 2399 was the date, yeah. Mm. So they started this for a while, so I do wonder if maybe they developed some of this stuff and whether they put things aside, because it's just like, well, they... They're getting their asses kicked. <laughs> we don't need to do this anymore, sort of thing. And which is why we now see this thing happening is because, ah, crap. Like a, a sudden escalation. Yeah, so it's just like, ah, crap, the Iconians were beat. <laughs> and yeah, now we've got to do this again. And they've now escalated to doing all these tests. So it did get me thinking, hmm. So, um, I. Out of all the blogs that we've actually seen, I I don't think it's the strongest. And I think that's been sort of a general thought from our team chat. But I still thought it was good. And it sort of made me start thinking about how some of these things could be connected. Um, so 
which is always good. I mean, I'll, I'll mirror what you said, Midnight. It, it, we've had better blogs, but yeah, it, it's one of those of having that history come into it, it was actually nice to see. Um, I, I feel it was possibly a questionable move as to how they um, actually use the Ferengi as well as they did because well yeah that just plays on the stereotypical Ferengi even worse than what uh, Star Trek already does <laughs> so um, yeah it's definitely as I said an interesting sort of take on sort of how all this stuff has sort of kicked off but as we've always been saying before it'd be so good to get this stuff in game somehow um, rather than just in these sort of things which are out of the game. Uh, it is nice to see them all sort of linked together. But, um, yeah, hopefully one day they will be able to do something about it. I know it's been a request from quite a few people on multiple occasions. Yeah, especially us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, work goes into creating them, and it seems such a waste in some respects that they get published online where very little of the player base is really going to see them. So, but, uh, yeah, hopefully they'll sort something out at some point. Okay. Well, on the 23rd, we had the patch for PC. It was a bit of a small one, wasn't it? Yeah, there's like oh, nothing yeah. at all in that patch. <laughs> Just a couple of gigs worth, and there's only a few points... <laughs> they fixed the cherry pose and the limey pose, so you can throw them into the hot dog grinder and get marks for them. Uh, Kamarki speaks now. Oh, yes! <laughs> but, um, yeah, they've fixed a load of stuff, which you'd expect on patch day. Um, but they've also, last week we talked about news that they were going to... Um, basically do a big reset on a load of stuff on ground with regards to powers, sort of level it all out. So all the ground powers now have a minimum recharge time that cannot be recharged. Um, sorry, recharged, reduced. <laughs> Makes a bit more sense. So the unmodified cooldowns um, of the abilities have not been changed. Um, so that covers basically all the stuff from cover shields to orbital strikes, um, support drones and stuff like that. Um, the one thing I did notice when doing the arena was that where I'd got my turrets, I used to have them in a way that once I do one, I knew I could then do the next one, which by the time I did the second type of turret, I knew I'd just have a couple of seconds left for the third but the way the cooldowns are now, that one of the turrets basically kicks off the cooldown for the other two, which sort of means I can't stick them down as much. But uh, um, whether or not that's just because I don't play ground that often that that happened beforehand, or this is actually part of um, the new um, changes, I'm not too sure. Um, of course, we talked about before that they've updated the stealth module. That's been completely redesigned. Um, basically, everything regarding sort of powers, um, modules and stuff like that has probably had some sort of update somehow. 
Um, and that also includes um, Bridge Officer Powers. They've got um, clearer descriptions. Um, yeah, there's just so much here in the patch notes. Um, if you are someone who enjoys their ground, who wants to have a look, the link to the patch notes will, of course, be in our show notes. Um, the known issues for this patch was listed as there is sometimes a 20 to 30 second delay between the rounds in the arena. Um, talking to people, we have found that hasn't always been the case when it comes to the delays, that sometimes it can be as much of like a minute. Um, I think that just depends on how quick you tend to get through the mob. Okay, so I can expand a little bit on this through information that was stated by, uh, I think it was Tackle Fangs in the live stream a few days ago. Oh, there's, great. A form Go ahead. Of, there's a form of database issue with the arena, and it's about like um, player-manufactured objects. So your turrets, your mines, your Iconian gateways that fire solar anti-proton beams at people. The more of that stuff you've got going on, the longer your wait's going to be. They're they're not entirely sure what it is themselves, but they do know that it's a database issue and they're looking into it. But that's as as much as they know. Ah, so when Dragon and I ran the mission together where we were putting down lots of these things, that was why we were making it worse for ourselves. Yeah, so if, if there was a lot <laughs> at the end of the round and if you were prepping for the start of the next round, you'd be sort of expanding the gap uh yes yeah, so that's okay, how I so an engineer heavy run is not recommended <laughs> well yeah, in some respects much. it is recommended because if that gives you more time that means you've got time without having to use hypos and things like that for your health and shields to recharge fully and to set all the gadgets around ready for the next round so in some respects, an engineer-heavy group could actually be the way to go to get a lot further. Also further testing the, needed. <laughs> during these gaps between rounds as well, I've also been checking uh, what dance emotes I have available. Yeah, I, I, I'm too busy just um, setting up all my little turrets and stuff like that. So I... I've got well, no time to do the things. robot. Yeah. Lost. Where's a facepalm meme when you need one? <laughs> now, j just to expand on the, the patch notes, not only were ground abilities affected, but they also changed some of the space ones as well. So, yeah, there was a lot changed in this almost three gig patch. Ah, I didn't notice any of the space things changed. Do you know offhand what space things have been changed? Uh, some of the um, warp cores had the power modifier on them that they changed. Some of the secondary deflectors with the control X uh, had had some of their abilities modified. Uh, yeah, I'm unfortunately not able to look at that. Otherwise, my ping goes absolutely through the flipping roof. The thing that I find is that uh, when I heard about the the balance changes and I saw the triple patch notes, 
I thought all of this would have been slated down for, you know, a 0.5 season release in April or thereabouts. I didn't expect it all to be launched on Holodeck so quickly. Well, if I know they're planning to do space and there's probably a lot more to that. So maybe that could be something for the space one or they're planning just to release them in smaller segments, get one bit working, then sort of a couple few weeks later, they then do the next lot of powers and then rinse and repeat sort of thing rather than doing everything all together and then give themselves a bigger headache trying to track down where issues are. Yeah, they gave themselves enough of a nightmare with this one. But I have noticed that a lot of the changes in the patch notes are actually related to descriptions and typos and things that they've been finally fixing. Yeah. So, okay, so on to console news. Star Trek Online Console News. we've got some new tier 6 flagships that have been added to the game haven't we yep the tier 6 odysseys the tier 6 scimitars and the tier 6 portascues are here so um, of course as usual these are things we've had in the PC for quite a while now yeah I have the tier 6 odysseys myself but I don't have the the other faction ones yet. I can't remember if I purchased the big pack or whether or not um, it was actually just the Odyssey pack that I got. Been a while. I'll have to check when I'm in game next. Uh, I think it might have just been the Odyssey one that I got. But uh, yeah, as usual, they're slowly bringing out more and more stuff um, regarding what we have on PC to match up with what we have with the console. So um, they have done a blog that has got all the stats for all the ships. So uh, if you are interested in finding those out, you will of course have those in our show notes. Or if you just head over to artgames.com, you should be able to find that under xbox or playstation 4 news uh this week you've got the temporal agent weekly event rewards um got the new one starting so. yeah so there's one running until march the 14th and your task that you have to complete on your temporal agent character is to complete as many duty officer assignments as possible and upon reaching that goal Next week, you will get a an experience boost for duty officer missions that you complete. So it's a tier-based system, whereas you need to complete X amount to reach tier 1. Tier 2 gives you a, a higher bonus. And then tier 3, which is the top, gives you, I guess, double or triple the amount of points for doing them next week excellent and this week also brings the second week of rewards for echoes of light the featured episode 
So um, if you already played it last week, you'll want to play it again. Um, these special reward weeks means that you have a chance to either pick up an enhanced universal tech upgrade or a specialization point on your character. So you get that on top of the extra reward that's not done. So usually it's part of a set. So if you haven't realized this before on these featured episode missions, one week they'll have, say, for example, the deflector, then they'll do the engines. The next week they'll do um, the shields. And then if there's a fourth bit to the kit, you'll get that the week after. And each of these weeks you'll get a chance to also get either a tech upgrade or a specialization point. So um, just been able to run it is it used to be that you could get all these rewards, but you just had to keep playing the missions. So people literally played it, waited for the half an hour cooldown, replayed it again. And literally they didn't then play the mission again for a while. So that's how we actually got to this point where what you see on console is what we now have on actual um what we have on pc so it basically you get one reward each week and then after that you can literally rerun the mission as many times as you want to get it but it just stops people from getting burnt out because yeah people were running these ones literally one literally in one day getting all the rewards what was the one where we basically did the space part in the special Dyson Sphere suits um, over the sun. Um, I don't know what the mission's called now. Yes, was that the step between stars? I think that might have been. Um, basically, yes. you'd got three different suits that you could get, and basically you could run it once, wait for the cooldown, run it again, get the other one. So literally within a day, most people had got all three suits and then never touched it again. But the way they operate now is that would have been released. You would have been had access to one of the bits of armor one week and then you could claim the next one the week after. So I can see why they do it. They want people coming back into the game. Um, but of course it means... You've got to wait, and I think it's an extra incentive as well to pick up the tech upgrade and the spec item as well yeah. when it comes out for that week. So, um, <clears throat> so yes, I know uh, people who have been doing PC will know this, but of course, anyone who's new to Star Trek Online and playing just console, they they won't know how that evolved and um, why we have the rewards the way they are. Yes, this mission also brings the Entoiled technology set to the console as well. Uh, this week's reward being the Nozican Siphon Capacitor Science Console. We recently covered this set in depth uh, when it was out on PC, so I'll add these episodes to our links list. So if you'd like to go back and have a listen to them and hear our opinions on the set... You can find out. Cool. Okay, so patch notes. Um, patch for the console was on the 21st. So that's patch Tuesday for consoles. So 
they've resolved some issues with crashing during the episode Fluid Dynamics, crashes that are happening during PVQ Undine Assault, and crashes that sometimes happened in Terminal Expanse. They've also added an item to the Lobby store that allows players to purchase anniversary vouchers with Lobby for the project to unlock the Tier 6 Krenum Science Vessel. And they've also extended the anniversary event by one day. That's probably in relation to the issues people had connecting um, to the consoles. Because I think last week I remember seeing some tweets saying that they had some extended downtime after one of the maintenance days. So um, I I think that's probably related to that issue. Um, People weren't able to get in, so they've extended the event by a day. Okay. I also seem to recall that the patch day Tuesday, which was over all ARC games, was extended a little bit as well. I think it ran on to last about six to eight hours. Yeah, it was said that it would last at least six hours. Um, So that had actually been scheduled in. So, But I know Uh for console, I did see that people were having issues, I think, after that. So... So yeah, yeah, due to that, they've extended it by a day. Now they've listed for the console known issues that the temporal agent reward system is temporarily not available. So when a 23rd century captain becomes a full temporal agent at level 10, they will receive a temporal transponder in their inventory. So the function of the transponder is to claim rewards. Now, it's that that is not working at the moment. So progress for these rewards will still be tracked. um, And then when that becomes available, you just need to double click on it and you'll be able to claim all the things that you've been able to, you've actually earned. So um, you'll be able to claim a whole lot all at once. I mean, what this essentially means is your temporal transponder's device, it's... It's like a time phone, yeah. but in this case, the person at the other end of it isn't in. <laughs> they've, uh, they've they've decided to, to go out to the yeah they've they've went to the pub to watch the footy. Yeah, they've just left you in the lurch. So, so, and they've also allowed you to move the temporal transponder to your bank as well, so to save inventory space. So, because, um, yeah. As you can't actually use it, they're allowing you to move it. Okay. Just um, another thing as a footnote to this. The crash that was occasionally happening in Terminal Expanse, I've been hearing quite a bit recently that Terminal Expanse isn't working. So if you do have that mission on the go at the moment, just skip it for now. It's a known issue. There's a thread on the forums about it in the bug section as well. And the guys at Cryptic know that it's bugged and they're looking into fixing it. Okay. All right. Time for the combat log. Combat log. Stu, do you want to go through the posts that we've got for 
this week's combat log. Brave warrior, dare you enter the arena of Sompak? Again. <laughs> um, yeah, just a, a few notes on doing the mission. Uh, Timberwolf has done a video on it this week. And Fred Caston's Basement has also produced a video which we'll provide links to. So a couple of the notes that I've got down here is the lightning area of effect. Whenever you see it happening, duck under cover. Because when you're under those ledges, it can sometimes not hit you if you stand in the right place. Uh, standing on top of the ledges is just absolute suicide. Don't do that. And when it's a hazard round, that gas that comes out the ledge on the top is just, it's an instant kill. So you want to keep away from that. Even when I duck under cover, I never seem to escape the lightning. And I don't know if it's just me, but I'm sure it chases engineers more than it does anything else. Um, it especially likes to go after all the kit that you've dumped down as well. Yeah, I have seen it doggedly following me. And <laughs> that was that was before I sort of sussed out about ducking under certain parts of the ledges. But, it, I mean, it's it's not a nice feeling to know that the lightning likes you. <laughs> now, I've noticed that it makes the water pool like flash and flicker, but I, I haven't taken any damage from it. Did you guys have any experiences with that? Yeah, it electrifies the water in the middle. So, yeah, if you're in the water for too long, you get fried. Ah, so it's a matter of being in it for too long if you're... Yeah, it, I find that if I'm quickly crossing it or in it, that if I just start jumping, then, yeah, I can, I can sort of not get fried. So, but yeah, I found that if you're in it for too long and you're not moving, like you, once I was laying in the middle of laying down turrets and by the time I laid the turret, I basically just got electrocuted and my health just went... Zoom. It's like, no! And then, of course, I used... Um, uh, what's the, um, the little console gadget that you use to restore yours and anybody around you's life. Um, I think it's one of the temporal things. Yes, um, I cannot remember what the device is called. But I know the one you mean. It's it's like a, a res regenerate device. Yeah, so I used that and of course, forgetting I was in electrified water and before I could get out, died again it's just like oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like that's not good thing is if you use that then the next time it comes to you um having the respawn countdown the countdown i do find is zero you can respawn straight away that is one thing i have found so you do have that console when you use it and then you die again it, it at least resets that because as usual with the respawn counter the more times you die within a certain amount of time, the higher the counter is before you can respawn. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that that was useful because I was able to respawn quickly. 
But yeah, it's just like, oh. <laughs> so <laughs> now I just avoid the water. And I start running around the outside because I just find the damn thing follows me. It's like, go away. Panic, panic, run, run, run. And you can see it, the little spots highlighting where it's going to go. And you're sort of running around and it's still following you. And then the worst part is if you get a mob beams down and you bump into it or you get stuck <laughs> then not only do you get whacked by some of the mobs as well but then the lightning strikes and then you, it's just like gone it's like, <laughs> yes the the dev live stream it was mentioned that they'd initially wanted the lightning round to last for three rounds at a time <laughs> and then they play tested it and they're just like no no, don't do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it it was just like, damn it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did like it because, of course, it just the fact when it's like, oh, lightning round. <laughs> and then, yeah, you actually get lightning. <laughs> Real lightning. Anti-proton like, lightning. It's like, whoa, wait, what's happening here? <laughs> so... Yeah, it, it soon sort of realised what was happening. It's like, no. First of all, it was fun, and then all of a sudden it was just like, no, that's... <laughs> this ain't fun anymore. Stop it! <laughs> uh... So, as as well as that, Timberwolves produced another few videos this week. Uh, one of them about PS4 still Agents of Yesterday experience. And another one about a shiny new old school NX class that he picked up doing a sort of a mid to high damage build with it. He's also been playing Doom <laughs> Classic FPS action. So I'll provide well, the links to those in the show notes. Is how far did he get during that live stream? What round did he make it to? Um Ambassador Kell was he was only playing it for just a set amount of time and then he was quitting out because he was wanting to play it with a lot of different pre-made teams that he had so he was doing it as a, a time-based thing but I think a few times he was quitting out like the like before level 20 because he'd made up a team with people from Facebook and a team with people from Twitter and a team with people from Reddit so it was, you know, he was hanging out with each of them. He, he wasn't staying in the teams until they got really far. Okay. And he was hmm. getting berated as being a quitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there's the usual penalty for leaving. I think the words there is hashtag dev magic. <laughs> True. Either that or he was switching uh, characters and doing it. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. But it was definitely an entertaining stream. It's well worth a watch. <laughs> so, Midnight, you've got some information here in the Foundry Spotlight. I have indeed. Oh, you've got a bumper as well. Foundry Spotlight. So, Admiral Aaron has um, basically released a teaser trailer for his new mission, Extinction. 
though this is not him actually releasing the mission yet, but he has done a teaser trailer ready for it. So this is on YouTube, and we'll have the link in our show notes. He's hoping to have it out in May, depending on sort of other things that go on, but if for whatever reason it doesn't happen in May, he said it could be any time between May and very latest, he expects October. So when we hear that it has been released, we will of course let you know. So uh, yeah. Cool. Okay, well that was a quick one. (laughs) So let's head over to Star Trek Timelines. Does no one here understand your incredible good fortune? Star Trek Timelines. Did someone say gay? You seem to find this all very amusing. Damn it, Q. (laughs) So, Star Trek Timelines. So, we have basically... I, I don't know if you guys have, but have you been playing the gauntlet? Yeah, I've been calling it the no-win scenario because I just get the. I'm a mop, and it just kills the floor with me. <laughs> although that being said, uh, although I rarely to don't win, I do get a participation prize of a ten items from the store just for entering. So it's. Something, I guess. <laughs> well, I'd spent quite a bit of time sort of on one of the gauntlets. Um, I think it was the second one. And I was thought, right, I am going to try and get this Locutus. Well, I got first place. I spent a lot of time and resources on it, including Dilithium, an awful lot of merits. And I had won almost double the amount of trophies than the second um, place person. Did I get Elocutus a bog? No. It's like, well, I know it's a random prize, but I would expect that if you have at least got sort of first place, that you should be at least guaranteed a Locutus a bog. If you end up getting a random Locutus as well, then I think that is just yay. But the fact that you don't get it for coming in first, because basically you don't get much for coming in first compared to coming in anywhere else apart from picking up some extra random merits, maybe a little bit of chronotons and some other sort of star prizes. But it's nothing sort of major. It's just like for the amount of resources put into that, I should have got something more. I would have expected something for that. So what was your actual sort of finishing rewards that you got from it then? Well, I just got a lot of boxes to open. Um, only thing is, yeah, none of them no contained a Locutus. But yeah, I came in rank one. My trophies was um, 2,800 and something. And the person below me had something like 1,500 trophies. When I last checked shortly before it finished. And yeah, it's just like, mm, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, the the effort and the gifts were just, didn't really add up. But yeah, it, it was just, that's not fair at all. 
They're just like, why did you do that for? So, yeah, I, I was a bit miffed, to say the least. Um, There's just like, yeah, that's not right. And just to say how random things actually are, um, I think it was, when was the last, um, what day is it today? It's, it is the 26th today, isn't it? Yeah. No, it was today. One of the random prizes I got for just one of the standard battles, I got a Locutus of Borg. <laughs> so it wasn't even one of the end crates. Yeah, it was so, just absolutely random. It's just like, yay. It's just like, but why now? It wasn't even, it was even a close thing because, yeah, it is purely just random. And it's just like, yeah, I can appreciate things like that, but there should be something which, if you've put the time and effort and, well, when it comes to the dilithium resources, money, then, yeah, you should actually get something to reward you for that time and not just leave it completely up to chance. Uh-huh. Rather than just having a a dodgy, biased RNG god. Yeah, the not- thing is... is with Star Trek Online, a lot of people complain about the lockboxes. Uh, but this is like having the lockbox reward for everything in-game. It's just completely random all the time. At least with Star Trek Online, when you play a mission and everything else, basically everything except for the lockbox, you know what you're going to get when it comes to a reward. Yes, you get some extra things during the game that you're playing and stuff like that, which is just random stuff. But for the end reward for the mission that you've played, you know, you can expect to get X, Y, and Z, and you may have an option of getting an extra reward of A, B, or C. I'm going here to get the Kubali set. I'm going here to get the Dyson set, stuff like that. Exactly. And yeah, when it comes to timelines, everything is just completely random and basically when it comes to the gauntlet i will try and do some but i'm not going to put a huge amount of time into it and i know one thing is i won't be putting any more dilithium into it because there is no point for me to do so because to get a lucutus i can literally just leave it up to the rng gods and just see what i get for the few times that i do it I was considering getting another dilithium card, but I looked at the the way that the price of slots has increased over my previous buying, and then I just I looked for characters that only had two skills and kicked them. Mm. And that's, that's, that's definitely what I've been doing lately. Hi, son. Son. Hello. Back. The back shuttlecraft again. is actually. Yeah, the, the the flames in the shuttlecraft are being put put out as we speak. Um, you did. This the 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 sift generator did malfunction the hallway up and the hallway back, but uh, I'm here. I thought you were just gonna walk in carrying what was left of your man chair and just say, <laughs> "I hate this chair." No, mostly intact, but yeah, the, the we have to have to have the chief engineer take a look at it. Ah, by the way, so so for those of you who may not know, in the uh, in the full interest of 
Federation and uh, Klingon Defense Force Unity, I was off attending a traditional Beta Z wedding. Whilst everybody else was in the arena fighting. Most everybody else was in the arena fighting, which I I guess uh, there were only a few of us there that were naked, so yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was just talking about um, the gauntlet and how the rewards are just completely random and how getting first place got me nothing, really. But yet, getting position 90 uh, on the next gauntlet and then just on a standard fight actually getting a Locutus is just like, what? So it's just like mm. sounds like disruptor beam is having cryptic type issues. Oh boy! But, well, this um, was the this was the reason that cryptic went from the um the blueprint drops to having the the reputation system essentially for the Borg because it was such heavy RNG that somebody who's been playing for years could continually be playing the same thing for for those years and not have gotten like the engine needed to complete the Borg set and somebody who'd been playing for like three weeks could be at in-game and instantly get those engines because RNG. Yeah, and I was one of them. I needed one thing and trying to get that absolute nightmare. This is this is why I will forever be against RNG bullshit in games. I can understand having an aspect of the game which is RNG. So, yeah, lockbox. It's a special thing. You want to pay out for a chance to win. And you can also build up every time you do it to get something else using Lobby. Fair enough. But with timelines, everything is RNG, basically. Well, see, see, and that's that's, that's one of those things where that's why I hate overwatch the way i hate overwatch and i love overwatch to death but i hate overwatch's prize system because it is here buy our boxes and the only way you can get like the like but everything you can get in their boxes you can buy through like the character sheet but the only way to get like the currency through that stuff the only way is by opening because the opening of those boxes, you can either get a money drop or you sell back duplicates of what you already have for a severely reduced price amount. And it's like, no, there should be some form of currency each time you level up along with the loot box. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise you're just purely trusting the RNG system to to hand you currency, and that's not always going to work right. Yeah, well... Now I've actually spent, well, the lithium, so basically money on trying to get first place and getting nothing. I now won't be spending anything else. Whereas if I knew, okay, I've got a chance to, if I, because it is basically with this, play, pay to win in some respects. Because if you want to get these things, it's like, I've got, you know, you get these offers that sometimes come round to you. I've got a limited time offer that I can double my crew. I get 1,500 VIP points. I get Locutus of Borg with all the resources, um, including all the training manuals and everything else required to get 
that character to level 50 for £23. It's just like, well, no. Given how sort of random things are, I'm not going to put in even more for, well, nothing. You hear that, Alex? You're wholly justified in not playing timelines at all, period. Uh, I've still been playing quite a lot, actually, um, almost as much as I have well, see, been. And, well, yeah, yeah, but see, that's the thing. You, That is the downfall of a free-to-play game. It is a, I love playing this game to death because it is a thing I absolutely enjoy, but I'm not putting money into it because me putting money into it gets me nothing, so I won't put money into it anymore. That's the downfall of any free-to-play game. Which is why I like Stowe's free-to-play model, because more or less, the money you're putting in is for something specific that you want it, you get it. It's not just random and everything else. I don't know, so, that's kind of why I like Eve's new free-to-play model. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is that if you buy a ship in Stowe, your next ship isn't going to be double the price. If you buy a ship that's 30 quid, your next one's not going to cost 60 the one after is not going to cost 120 up to... Unless it's a tier 7, 8, 9, and 10 ship. Yeah, then, then, yeah, it kind of will be. Because well, yeah, some of the tier 5s, the tier 5 ships when. are 20 bucks, the, the new tier 6 ships are 30 bucks. I mean, they're, yeah, the price is going up, like, in real-world dollars for that stuff. Yeah, but the thing is, is the time it took to get between tier 5 and tier 6 was a lot of years. By the time we get to the stage of tier 7 it's going to be a lot more on which by that time they may readjust the other prices we don't know because they've only in recent time extending it to tier 6 so it, it, who's to say that the new tier 7 won't be the same price that we're paying for tier 6 the now tier 6 price becomes what was tier 5 and so on and they just lower the whole tier system down I don't know. I'm still waiting for the free, like, here, you've made it to this, this, the, you've made it to level 50. Here is a free starter, quote-unquote, tier 6 ship. Congratulations, Fleet Admiral. Because the last free ship you get is 40, and that's a tier 5 ship. That's the introduction to the tier 5 ships. Yeah, it's it's like a, it's like a very high-end tier f- Yeah, it's like a very high-end tier 4 introduction to tier 5 stuff. Like, on the Klingon side, you can choose the carrier for free. Yeah, because we were discussing Tier 5 Minus the other day that you weren't able to upgrade them. Well, we're on timelines, so... But, yeah, as I said, I won't now be putting in any dilithium, or the Look, most I'll be putting into... Go- us, you're the one that brought I know. us back to Stowe. I know. That was just as a comparison. <laughs> but, he's, uh, he's the boss. He can, I can go do whatever what I he like. wants. But yeah, um, when it comes to the gauntlet, I'm gonna, the most I'll be putting in will be the merits, which I've still got, well, even after the huge amount that I spent on there, I've still got about nearly 9,000 of them. So... The most I'll do is a refresh to maybe see if I can get something more usable. So, but, uh, yeah, it's a shame. And I hope at some point they do change that. But it's only now in its second year. So the game is still young. So who knows how it will change as time goes on. 
Now, they have actually had problems with Star Trek timelines with disconnects and a huge amount of lag. Um, so much so that I know I received 750 chronotons because of the issues. Um, so I'm not sure if everybody else got that as well. I did. Uh, I did, along with a nice wee sort of apology. Yeah, so I'm, ne- I'm never too sure whether they just send it out to absolutely everyone or everyone that they ha- tracked as trying to log in during that period. So, but uh, yeah, the Chronotons are very helpful. Although at the moment, it's training manuals that I'm desperate for. Uh, I've des- I decided as all my one-star characters that I had were a minimum of level 60 that I would level them up to 100 and get them immortalized and basically vault them all um, to free up some space because, well, it takes a while on the 100 dilithium a day to build up 3,000 to get five more slots. So I figured, okay, I will level them all up. And so far I have got all of them barring one um, immortalized now. So I'm desperately trying to get um, Botanist Keiko to uh, level 100. So she's on 87 at the moment. But um, yeah, it's a slow process, especially as I keep running out of training manuals. And of course, the only... Although you can get some training manuals for running missions, you tend to get more of them from actually doing the shuttle events. But of course, that just takes so much time to sort of get things returned, really. Uh, okay, here's the question. Have they rebalanced the levels 4 through 7 thing yet? Have they done that I, yet? I think they did um, several months back, I think. Well, no, not well I remember back, there was an option for them doing it several months back, but I don't remember if they've done it yet or not. Cause like... I, thi- I think they did, but I don't know for sure. Because um, I haven't, I haven't touched I, any of the mission things in a while because I was waiting for them to do that. And uh, my I'm highest level fighting. character is actually still a level sixty something. The 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 desert robe wearing Jedzia or uh, Ezri Dax. Mm. Uh, I'm yeah. still finding a massive sort of difficulty spike with ground away team. Whereas ship combat is just over with in seconds on full difficulty. Um, yeah. Away team on easiest difficulty is ridiculously hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I've basically been working through getting epic on basically everything on all episodes. And yeah. I'm just in the process of doing the last couple of those for space. But I've still got a whole heap to do for ground, so um, yeah, I've I've basically been putting that off, um, doing a lot of the ground ones because I just found, well, I couldn't do it. So um, I sort of this, gave up. I've got a way to do something fun but and rewarding. I did because I needed some extra stuff. Um, I did actually go through because beforehand I'd only got to the beginning of episode six. I hadn't done seven. So, yeah, I have actually now gone through and um, basically I'm just working towards collecting sort of all the space ones. So, and yeah, I'm I'm slowly getting there. So, because I've got the 750 chronotons, 
and I need the training manuals. I'm just going through and completing those space battles and hoping that I get some extras on those in order to sort of help out at the moment. But um, yeah, I've still got to do so much for ground. Now, they did release a fix last week. Now, they had some problems where chat was unavailable for an awful lot of people. Um, that was caused by a third-party outage that was identified and appears to have recovered. So, um, But they said it might take some time for the resolution to properly propagate around everywhere. Goon Swarm! <laughs> sorry, sorry. My, my Eve days make me blame Goon, goon Swarm for everything. For stove, that would be dental. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... So yeah, um, Gauntlet issues, they had people reporting problems where rewards were not being able to be claimed, that the counters were saying it was still active when it wasn't, some people saying that the time left was incorrect, and some people were having opponents show proficiency of 999 against 999. Well, apart from that last one, I had all the other issues with the timelines on um, two of the gauntlets one that was just finishing um, even though I still had time left it was telling me it was complete and I couldn't claim the items so I lost any of the crates from that one and then the new one it wouldn't let me start it's just like mm. but um, yeah I was able to eventually sort of get the gauntlet started again so I guess whatever was causing the issues has now been resolved so um they also had a fix for the Children of Apollo. Um, the threshold reward for 1,500 um, VIP points was incorrect and has now been fixed. And they apologise for the inconvenience that caused. Now, on the 20th of Feb, they brought out the DS9er pack. So that's when you could get Niner Kira Norris, Umpire Odo, and the Niner's Rom. And that was all taken from the episode from Deep Space Nine, Take Me Out to the Holosuite. So that was available in the Time Portal, but was only available. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, oh, I just reached level 40 on timelines. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to quickly check. Yeah, that has actually gone now. I thought it had. Because, um, yeah, we've got Children of Apollo at the moment. So, um, Umpire... Odo was the legendary five star, and um, the Nerys and the Rom Niners ones were super rare four star. Now, Children of the Apollo came out on the 23rd of Feb and is running until tomorrow, which is the 27th. And um, that gave you the Empathy Troy, which is... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think, think somebody has misspelled the event title. It's it's supposed to be Children of Apollo, or yes. The Children of Apollo, not Children of the Apollo. All right, yeah, I wasn't looking at that. Um, so, yeah, I've got where I was now. Yeah, the Empathy Troy is the new five-star legendary character that's come out for this oh, event. Oh, that's the, that's the uh, holodeck Troy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The goddess of empathy. <laughs> um, then you've got <laughs> Apollo, which is the new four-star super rare. 
And then you've got the Platonian Kirk, which is the new four-star super rare character as well. Wasn't that the one where he makes kissy face with Uhura? Uh, yes. But that so, wasn't Apollo. That was like in a later episode where they were helping the little dude because the little dude was also supposed to be like some kind of god. But all the other people made fun of him. Because <laughs> he had no quote-unquote powers like him. Except his power was that he was normal. He was supposed to be their balance. And they abused the balance. Yeah. And they paid for it. But yeah, that finishes tomorrow. Now, I did actually find that the next event um, has actually been um, published already. So, now, this starts on the 2nd of March. So, that will be... Thursday? Yeah, Thursday. And it's called The Whole Truth. I keep seeing that title and just want to shout out, you can't handle the truth. So, um, well, I'm, well, nobody well, really well, can. <laughs> well, no, wait a minute. This, okay, an event called The Whole Truth. Why is there not a Cadet Wesley in here then? Am I the only one that goes, The Whole Truth? The. the, the the, the whole Picard Wesley thing from the Colbert Starburst incident. Mm, true. I mean, because um, it's even this even has this even has. I mean, it should be it should be Cadet Wesley and Cadet the the guy who Guy Paris played as a cadet instead of Cadet Paris because that wouldn't <laughs> make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that was all down to licensing, wasn't it? <laughs> but I think that was the original intent, yeah. was to have that character in Voyager, but they couldn't, so um, that's where Tom Paris came in. But yep. um, yeah, this is a galaxy event. So the event crew will be Insurrection Wharf, so that'll be the new four-star. Um, I do wonder if the character animation will have um, a Borg limb attached to his leg. Wait, wait, what? Um, no, that wasn't Insurrection, was it? That was First Contact. Eh. Yeah, wait, when he had the, the arm tied around his leg. Oh, yeah, because he was he sealed off his, his EV suit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm I thinking uh, the Insurrection one, is that the wharf that's... He's in all the sort of promotional images that pop up every now and again, and he's standing with his mech left going like, ah! Well, I think it'd be funny if he just had this huge spot on his face. <laughs> no, that wouldn't be Insurrection Wharf, that would be Gorch Wharf, because that's what it was, it was a Gort. A clink on pimple. Yeah, but it was in Insurrection, bigger. wasn't that? Yep. Maybe. Yeah, because it's where the rings around, the minerals in the rings around the planet make them sort of younger. Welcome back to Puberty Wharf. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... So yeah, um, so yeah, your Insurrection Wharf, which is four-star super rare. You've got World War II Paris, which is the new four-star um, super rare for that. And you'll also have another chance to grab Grand Nagus Rom. So that's the five-star legacy character. But as I said, when that's are, when, are, when, when, when are we? I'm I'm sorry, but but when are we? When are we getting? When are we getting new crew slots? Like, for free? Like, in a pack of 15 to 20? 
Uh, and then, then once, time. and then, and then once, and then one, then once we have that, where, why do we not have World War Two, Brian and Bashir? Because mm-hmm. well, there kind of needs to be, really needs to be a World War Two event, because we've had so many people like were in 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 the World War Two setting. <laughs> yeah, well, we already had a World War Two event, didn't we? They did actually do one, I'm sure. Because that's when we got O'Brien and Bashir and things like that back then. I thought I thought that was a Herogen event, not a... I thought that was World War II. I'm sure of it, because it had a lot of artwork. Because you also had um, Yar in it as well. I can't remember now. It's been a while. <laughs> it's only been a couple of weeks. Quit doing events every weekend, damn it. <laughs> we can't keep up. Well, it's getting to the point where they're almost doing two events a week now. So at least this one I've found early. So um, people listening are not just getting, this is the event we're doing. This is the event we've just done. Um, so, yeah, it's nice if we can get yeah, some more It's not like the weekend notice. of it for Star Trek Online, isn't it? Yeah, I know. So it's good when we can get some notice so we can talk about these things beforehand so people actually I know. I like the hybrid event because when it comes to these shuttle events, I just like the Friday night comes and I give up because my guys don't have enough skill to even get anywhere near 20%, never mind 90%. I just like, eh, that's it, done for me. Well, what you do is if it gets really high, is you pick your lowest characters and then it basically puts the um, amount down to a lower one so you've got a better chance of doing it. Midnight, stop telling me how to exploit the game. (laughs) It's not an exploit. It's not an exploit. It's working as intended. But no, if you fail enough missions, it does a reset on it. So it puts you down from getting 1,500 to 500, for example. But if you make it that you fail all of them very quickly, that usually goes down a little bit quicker. So if you haven't got the characters to do well, but you can maybe do okay, and then on the odd random chance you get a pass, you end up sticking at a higher level for longer. So, yeah, if you want to force it to be lower, and yeah, you just stick them all on a the lowest character that you've got, so... The chances are that will actually succeed as very low. Then that way you can hopefully get around to doing ones that you can do a bit quicker to get the points. Okay, game. It's me, Stu Dog. You know it's me. You know I'm rubbish. Here's my best characters. Slots up lowest levels. Go easy on me, please. Slightly. Uh, but you can also, if you've got some of the little timed things, so that way you can put the mission down to like half an hour or something, or I've an hour and a half. Things, yeah. Pick some of so up. if you've got some of those time ones, then do that on the low level one so you can get the failures done quickly and then hopefully get time to do more of the ones where you can actually get points for to get the rewards. But, um... Yeah, usually I don't, because I've got so many characters, I don't usually need to do that um, myself. But um, yeah, always I take it back. My highest level character is a level 69 Ezri Dax. And is level and 69 where you're keeping her? 
I, I don't oh have my. any of the don't have any of the stuff. Don't to go there at all. So. <laughs> don't go there, son. Just no. Don't go there. I don't. What? what I, am I missing something? Yeah, she's just are ignoring. You planning on le- are, are you planning on leaving Esri at level sixty nine? Oh, uh, okay. I get it. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I've just spent four days like out of out of town, attending to, helping set up and complete a wedding. I'm exhausted. Give me this one, okay? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. You can tell how much time I've actually spent in game because uh, yeah. I, my highest level character. Uh, let me have a look at my little worksheet. Yeah, I've got 26 at level 100. 19 that are immortal and 9 that are vaulted. I think my highest one is only like level 35 or something like that. Maybe 40? Christ. But out of them, I only have one 5 star level 100, which is of a. Um, on the um, legendary scale, and only two of the super rare four star crew, um, which are up that high, though. Yeah, I've got four level 100s, which are three star, and two stars, which eight of those are immortalized, and then I have nine one star crew that are level 100. Immortal and vaulted out of the ten one stars that I have. But yeah, I just don't use them at all. So it's just like, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> so. Still uh, trying to land a very, like, just a low level, simple doctor for these, like, the, the daily assignments from Riker. Because I don't have a medic to do the medical tasks so i just have to like fluff my way through them and have someone who's at a high enough level to do the final part of the mission <laughs> See, this is this yeah, is where I know having that this is where having a whole bunch of hundreds of thousands of the credits saved up helps because it means you can just upright buy 10 packs of the cheap end of stuff from the portal and if you don't get anything that you need you can just grind the rest of them up for training manuals. Yes, that's right. You can grind up crew for training manuals. Yeah, well, that's it's what I've been like doing. Because, well, though for the credits, I've now only got um, 248,000. I did have, I think it was about 5 million. So I've literally been tearing through those trying to get all the manuals that I can um, by basically rejecting all the sort of one stars and two stars, just going, nope, already got, already got. Not wanting any more one stars, goodbye. It's handy that that sort of the duplicate and fusible icon appears on them now. Yeah, well, that's why I've actually started using them more, because um, I had just been collecting them up instead, but now it actually tells you it makes it useful rather than me having to go through and actually check. So yeah, it's, <laughs> I've actually been using that facility so much more. 
Um, although usually I just get duplicates. Most of the two stars and that that I have um, are actually two stars already. So it was just like, well, yeah, don't want you, don't want you. So only a small amount of my two stars um, have I actually sort of only got one star on them. Um, I think at the moment I've only got um, two, which aren't two stars, which is Section 31 Reed and Dabagolita. They're the only two stars that I've got that haven't got um, the second one of them fused. So, um, but yeah, and out of all the two stars, actually, there's not many that I don't have. The only ones that I'm missing, well, on my list at the moment, um, although it's a few weeks um, out of date, but I don't think we've got any new low characters. So I'm missing Boomer Mayweather, Ensign Rowe, and that's it. They're the only two stars that I haven't yet obtained. But um, yeah, both of those two characters I have had in the past, but I've actually dismissed because I wasn't using them and needed the room for sort of like three, four or five star characters. So I think I might just get those ones at some point um, just to sort of complete the collection. The one star crew, I've probably got well, less than half, but I'm not going to bother with those ones, to be honest. So, because, yeah, I just find no use for the one stars at all. Um, yeah, yeah, same. Uh, like I say, I, I dismissed all the ones that had less than three skills because it just doesn't, it doesn't cry versatility to me. Now, one of the things we've talked about in the last couple of weeks was... Um, anyone using discord there is a um, nice server for people who use timelines now users of discord are being asked to change their password um, an issue with cloudforce um, has meant that there is the possibility that sensitive information um, including passwords may have been given out so someone monitoring it could have seen it although the chances are very very slim so they're asking people just to change their passwords um, although they're not making it mandatory because the chances are that slim so um so yeah when it comes you, to technology slim chances are guaranteed chances i'm sorry well with technology there's a slim chance of anything happening no, there's, no, nothing's ever 100 percent secure that's, that's not what i mean that's not yeah. what i mean I know, I know. To, when it comes to the when it comes to the monitoring of stuff like that, considering how many groups are out there, the slimmest of chance that something got leaked is a guarantee should be considered a guarantee that something was leaked. So so yeah, if you are a Discord user, then um Discord are suggesting that you do change your password. So Yes, it also suggests that this may affect Patreon users as well. Being yes. Patreon is a There's, money yeah, making s- thing. There are several Definitely. websites where this, this kind of information was, and this is exactly why I say this slim chance should be a guaranteed chance because some of those websites 
uh, I don't know about Patreon per se, but some of the other websites are sites that I frequent very, very often. And those are known for being constantly monitored. So if their data was leaked, even accidentally, somebody was there to see it. And if somebody was there to see it, there's a guarantee that it was seen. So go ahead and change passwords for all that stuff. Exactly. If someone even has a slight chance of fucking about with your money, don't bloody let them. Change your passwords. Especially if you're somebody who has the same password for everything, or even some things, then yeah, definitely change it. Um, Probably not as big a problem if the only place you have that password is for that thing. Um, It just means they could be log into Discord as you Um, But that would be the only thing they could do if that's the case. But for the average person, most people don't tend to have a different password for everything. So, yeah, if you've got the same password, then change your password for all your stuff as well. Because if they've got your email address and your password, people can have a look at things that you're doing or connected to and try seeing about getting into those as well. If you appear to be protecting yourself, they'll move on to an easier target. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but that's how it works. Okay. Well, I guess it's time to move on to the next segment. So we have Star Trek news. Star Trek news. Space, the final front beer. What? <laughs> so, um, this is. Is this the Federation of Beer? It is. So, last year they came out with um, several new drinks. And they have basically, they came out with. Um, I'm trying to they've, had a, they've had quite a few. They had a they had a Vulcan ale, a Vulcan pale ale. They had an Endorian ale. They had Klingon Warnog, and then they had Syndicate ale, which it was a, a spelt all weird and different. Yeah, because it was Orion Syndicate. So now there's a new Klingon drink. Klingon so, Imperial Porter. Exactly. So um. It will be available in four packs in retail locations in 35 states across the United States and in select bars later in the year. So, so yeah, the press release has it described as ruby undertones that pay homage to the Klingon blood wine and fallen warriors who hold honor above life. Uh, Go go ahead, go ahead, Stu. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, looking through the tasting notes, it looks to be a a porter is a, a heavy stout, so it'll be coming in at seven point three percent, which is quite high for that type of uh, a beer. But I guess it's beer for Klingons, so it's not designed for weakling Federation humans. That sounded very Ferengi when I was saying that. And we'll sell you this. I was going to say that. <laughs> Just I um this just I, I through throughout throughout all of the canon I kind of can't reconcile the the differences of of the blood stuff. It's like 
when you when you say Klingon blood wine, I I I don't think of I don't think of it as I think Klingon blood wine should look like Klingon blood and everything we've seen in like most of the lore that you know most of the canon that actually exists is that Klingon blood is kind of purpley and and gooey. Are you thinking of Star Trek Six Klingon blood? No, well, yes and no. There was I want to say in one of the films. Or, or 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 one of the TV, not just not just six, but one of the other films, one of the TNG films, and maybe on one of the shows where Worf got cut and he had like the purple blood on him. And I'm I like, remember, I didn't remember it in the TOS film um, being purple when um, was it? I think that was six when yeah, yeah they the shot in space. Country. Yeah, yeah, and then um, there was. There was a bit after that because Worf had it on him. I swear Worf had it on him. I always thought I'd only ever seen Red Blood uh, when it came to the TV stuff. I'll need to rewatch the early seasons of TNG because, you know, coming to think of it, I don't know how all this, like, censorship and stuff works, but is there a, if something's rated in a certain way, you're not allowed to show blood at all. And that's how they got around it, by having different coloured blood. There was a movie called Stardust where... When they killed the princes, they had blue blood that came out of them when they died. Mm. They got a, a U rating for that film, I think. It's just it's it's weird because I I can I want to swear there was a scene somewhere after the undiscovered country where Worf got cut on the face and he just had like that little like somebody had glued like a little purple splotch to his face to go oh look it's drying Klingon blood. And it's like, that's a nice, that's a nice callback to Six. Why is all the rest of this blood red? And why is the blood wine red when you say it's Klingon blood wine? It's like, I would kind of expect it to be purple. I'll need to rewatch Conspiracy, which is an early episode of TNG where Worf gets in a fight with the bluegill infested admiral and Riker gets thrown through a glass table and well there's glass anywhere people are going to get cut that's just my thoughts anyway i don't know at this point at this point you might have to rewatch the entire series of are you G and ds9 just to find it because i'm looking through google images right now and i can't find it Rewatching the first season of tng there are so many awesome hits but there are an equal amount of awesome misses there are episodes that i hate as much as episodes that i love in the first season <laughs> season one of the next generation also known as the recyclosodes so totally tos y'all it's basically tos 2.0 it's like oh look polywater intoxication's back oh damn beer this beer 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 so, this week in Star Trek history, do you've got a date for us. I wish I had a date, lol. Um, happy birthday to Martha Hackett, who played Ensign Seska. She was born on February 21st, 1961. Traitor! Cardassian traitor! <laughs> she was also a Romulan in DS9, playing Subcommander T. Rule who was the supervisor of the Romulan cloaking device, who 
was only in those two episodes. I find it a bit bizarre that you've given the Federation this technology and you only supervise it that one time. And there's nothing to stop the Federation from going and, you know, like replicating it and fitting it to the top secret fleet that they're building wherever for Section 31. But I don't yeah, know something else. There's technology from so many other species where they have cloaking technology. The Federation been able to produce cloaking technology, I don't think was ever the issue. It was the fact that there was the agreement that they wouldn't in order to have peace with the Romulans. That's what stopped yeah. it. So Only it wasn't the fact the that... Yeah, so it wasn't the fact that she was supervising it for sort of to make sure that the Federation could be trusted with it, sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I could see why she was only there for those small amounts, but that's why when it came to Thomas Riker taking the ship, they had that extra security um, feature, of course, which he was able to get round because genetically he was exactly the same as the other Riker. Damn you, Thomas! <laughs> you and your bloody Marquis! No wonder Seska's hopped on Voyager. <laughs> so as well as being in Voyager and that episode of DS9, she's also appeared in a handful of video games, including Star Trek Armada 2, Bridge Commander, and Elite Force 2 as well. But, uh, yeah, I actually really liked her character. I thought it was a shame that they killed her off. But I guess Voyager was leaving the territory, wasn't it? Well, that was the thing, is there's no way to bring her along. But it was good that in Season 7 they did bring her back. In the holodeck? No, no, no. no. When the ship fractures into the different time yes. zones. Other, there was another and episode then, where she was in the holodeck. But yeah, yeah that was Season 4. Five, I think. That was the that was the here's the hey, hey, somebody found Tuvok's um threat analysis program. By the way, when you complete it, Seska screwed with it. You're all doomed. (laughs) (laughs) That that was a fun episode, I did like that. The episode we were just talking about, um Shattered that we discussed a few weeks back. Yeah. But yeah, I like that one as well. Okay. Talking on TV series, I guess it's time to head over to the main viewer. Viewer on. Main viewer. Computed and recorded, dear. Star Trek Discovery. So it's been, it was reported a few weeks ago that it was not going to be out in May and it was likely to be later in the fall. Well, it's now rumoured, um, rumoured, it's now said that it's likely to be September. So, although we haven't got an exact date, we do have at least roughly when they're expecting it to be out. So, given that they have started shooting, um, I think that puts it in line with sort of how other productions have sort of gone when it comes to releasing it. So, and we also get a sneak peek as well of one of the aliens, because we do see um, 
oh, I've forgotten his name, um, Doug Jones. We actually see him um, sort of getting makeup put on. So, yeah, it's a sort of interesting sort of behind the scenes, although I'm not sure that's actually... Is that actually the... Um, Reading the article, I, I don't think this is Trek. It seems to be another production called Ouija 2 from the 18th of January. Okay. So, so yeah, because some, uh, some people... Because I thought it was for something else, but some people said, no, 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 it's for Star Trek. And I'm thinking, well, given... I don't think that it is, because that does look like something like from a sort of one of the horror movies that he's been in sort of thing. Uh-huh. Because that looks like from the Ouija um, sort of movie, and I thought, mm. yeah, because I haven't seen it. But the... yes, some people did think that it was actually the alien he's playing, but I just thought that looks a little bit too dark for what Trek usually is. Here's a behind-the-scenes look uh, applying my makeup for the ghoul Marcus in Ouija: Origin of Evil, uh, January eighteenth out now on DVD and Blu-ray. So this looks like a production that's already been done. Mm. So this may have affected the sort of the shifting times of Discovery being pushed back. So, um, but yeah, at least, at least we've got a bit more of a sort of look into it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, okay, so the... The the images themselves are wholly separate and not part of the actual... Essentially, these pictures shouldn't even be in this article in the first place, period, at all. Because Doug Jones sat down with a podcast to talk about all the stuff that's been revealed, and these pictures have no bearing on that whatsoever. At all. Yeah. It's also uh, a quote from him saying that it'll air probably in the fall, maybe September-ish. So, yeah, we're still waiting for an official date, but um, as we know from stuff that has been officially released, they have started production. So it's just a waiting game. So, But it does look like it's going to be another six months away. A waiting game, but I am not the most patient. <laughs> <laughs> If you were, you'd be in sick bay. Please be a well, patient. If patient. I was patient, if I was, if I was patient, then uh, I wouldn't be Klingon. Or you would be Klingon. You'd just be a different type of Klingon. You know, the ones that have honor and stuff. Honor is a yes, professor of code. Yes, I just said that. Yes, I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, not much in the way of news, but. Um, regarding Discovery, but at least it's something we at least went from having no date from being it's not going to be May to it's probably going to be September. So, alrighty. I guess it's now well, time. Well, that's some progress. Yeah. Something is always better than nothing. Okay. Let's go on to convention news. <laughs> Convention news. So we're in Captain Pike's house when he's got the dancing Green Orion women. Shh, I didn't send any of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
FCD Out of the Ashes 2. They have posted the full itineraries on their Facebook page. So the link will be in our show notes. So just a reminder that sales for the premium passes will close in a couple of weeks on March 14th. As of this date, you may still be able to buy one of those tickets, but elements of the passes will no longer be available. Um, For example, the buffet foods. The day and weekend tickets will still be available for advanced purchase tickets and will remain on sale until the 30th of March. After then, you'll only be able to pay at the door. If you paid in full for FCD 2016 last year when um, they had to cancel the main event and you have until Tuesday, so February 28th, to exchange your tickets for a free um, 2.0 ticket. After then, you'll have to repurchase your tickets at the full current value. They also posted a frequently asked questions um, post as well. So a lot of things they kept being asked. Um, They thought they'd actually post that up there. So links will be in our show notes. Another link that will be in our show notes is the fact that they're actually running a competition. So they've actually said, how would you like to win one of our top tickets? All you have to do is to send £5 via PayPal to payments at fcdevents.com. So what will happen is if they sell 20 raffle tickets, the prize will be a Phoenix Pass. If they sell 30 raffle tickets, the prize will be a Phoenix Plus Pass. If they sell 50, it will be what they've called the Jeff Pass. If they do, however, sell over 100 raffle tickets, the prize will be a Phoenix Pass, Phoenix Plus Pass and a Jeff Pass that they'll be giving away. So they said, that's right, we will give away all three of them. So the prizes will be drawn at random on March 14th and the winners told on the same day. So for just £5, you could have one of those brilliant tickets. Or if you already have one, you could give it to a friend. So go on, be a Jeff and buy a raffle or three. So payments is to send via PayPal to payments at fcdevents.com. So, and as we know, when we had them on a couple of weeks ago, that um, this all helps with raising money for all the charities that they're raising money for. Star Trek Timelines, um, they're back at PAX East with their DisruptorCon. So that's in Boston, Massachusetts, March 10th to 12th. So... um, there is a link to a forum thread on their website for more information. Star Trek Las Vegas, August 2nd to 6th this year at the Rio Suites Hotel in Vegas. They've now confirmed 70 guests so far. So they're slowly heading up to the sort of 100 that they tend to have. Their roster already included William Shatner, Patrick Stewart, George Takei, Michelle Nichols, Walter Koenig and Carl Urban. And the new guests that have been named are Kate Mulgrew, James Darren, Dominic Keating, Stephanie Beecham, Brennan Braga, Ira Stephen Bear, Andre Bormanis, um, Scott McDonald, Ron D. Moore, and Morgan Jindel. So, um, so yeah, they're still... A few months away, was it six months now? 
yeah, uh, just five over five, isn't it? And yeah, they've got a nice big lineup. So um, yeah, turning out to be a nice selection. So I know a lot of people have always missed having Patrick Stewart attend. So, so yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will be heading there. So I hope he doesn't have to cancel because I think a couple of years ago he was due to attend, wasn't it? And he had to pull out for. Um, I think that he had a, another job that he had to do. Well, that's it for convention news. So if there's a convention that you're going to, which has a good Star Trek presence, then let us know and we will highlight that and give any updates that's come out of there as well. Okay, time to head over to the holodeck. Holodeck. What we left behind, this is the Star Trek Deep Space Nine documentary um, that we discussed um, a little bit last week, but mainly the week before. So they're currently up to $384,000 raised by 5,619 backers, and there's still 12 days to go. So um, they have stretch goals all the way up to 500,000. So they've already completed the first two stretch goals, which were at 250 and 350,000. Now, recently they've added some new perks. The first one is either something that you can have as a perk or as an add-on, which is the Quark's Acquisition. And this is a t-shirt. So basically it's Quark's face, but it's actually made up of the rules of acquisition in text, um, which is pretty smart. Only thing is the sizes that they do wouldn't fit me because I'm a fat git. Um, they have sizes ranging from small to 2XL. Um, one of the other new perks that they've got for 250 US dollars plus shipping is a signed Deep Space Nine complete DVD set. So you'll get the newly released DVD set, which will come autographed by Ira Stephen Bear and a minimum of five major cast members, if not more. And it'll have a special message from the doc team. So that is a standalone perk and the DVDs will be in region one. The other new perk that they have released is for 625 US dollars which is the Las Vegas Convention Bundle. So if you're thinking of attending, um, you'll get general admission weekend package to the convention, plus a one-of-a-kind Deep Space Nine swag bag, which will um, be with certified cast autographs and more. They go, finally, you'll attend a private meet and greet with cast members and film team and exclusive on-site event with first look clips of the documentary. So items include is digital stream, um, STLV digital admission, um, general admission package, um, STLV DS9 autograph swag bag, STLV private DS9 meet and greet, and two other items. So that's the summary of what you get for $625. So, um, so yeah, you've still got 
just under two weeks left if you would like to be involved. Um, just a reminder that in a couple of weeks, the Kickstarter for The Circuit, which is Manu Interamy's project, is going to be released. So keep an eye out on that. That's, of course, the anthology um, set of films that he's getting organised to make, um, which looks pretty good. Sorry, Midnight, just back to what you were saying about the convention tickets. Uh, Looking at the creation site, I'm seeing weekend passes here going up as far as a grand. So that looks like a sweet deal if if you got the money. So is that just the price for the um, general admission weekend package, is it? That's for what is termed as a gold weekend admission package. And okay, there was another, another one that was coming in at 850 Okay, well, it's probably because they haven't started selling the general admission weekend packages. So um, I think that the weekend package is just for the last couple of days. Okay. And they usually put on sale the higher price ones first. And then the general admission ones go on sale later in the year, if I recall correctly. And having not been able to attend before, um, then I'm just going off what I can recall. Well, considering this is, quote-unquote, not the 50th to most people, you can wholly expect a massive decline in ticket sales this year. Yeah, well, I'm sure that was to be expected anyway, because, yeah, a lot of people would have turned out just for the 50th anniversary because it was a special one. Um, if I and myself you, well, could have afforded it, I would have as well. Well, you got to admit, a lot of the, a lot of the, oops, uh oh, no nos that took place last year are holy enough reason to not want to buy a ticket for STLV this year. Period. Does uh. anybody remember that? The whole oh. We're going to sell these tickets for this price. Oops, we sold out. Wait a minute. A week later, we found 350 more tickets. Let's triple the price. What the... What? What the fuck? Yeah, well, it was good that they eventually put them back to the original price. Yeah, but the fact that they even did it in the first place should be a huge red flag to anybody wanting to buy a ticket from them to an event. I know. I know. So, not saying that it isn't. Okay, so the next update is for the Outer Rim. So, that's Jim Bray and his crew. Um, They have actually had people sort of heading out um, this weekend. So, they're actually in production. So, yeah, been seeing little bits of photos and things like that. been coming out of their social media. So um, head over to explorethealterrim.com for more information. Um, We've also had an update from Star Trek Continues. The update reads as follows. This is the announcement you've all been waiting for. At the beginning of 2016, Star Trek Continues ran a successful fundraising campaign to produce the final episodes of our fan series. As promised, we've spent your hard-earned donations on our non-profit production company exactly as we said we would and have been working around the clock to finish our final four episodes as quickly as possible. Episodes 9, 10 and 11 are still in post-production 
and will be released throughout the year as they are completed. Episode 8, Still Threads the Shadow, which guest stars Rekar Shamar. I'm not sure if I've said her name anywhere near correctly. Um, but Sorry, people, I would pronounce it. Rekar Shamar. But people will know her from Battlestar Galactica. Um, and that will premiere at the Fan Expo Dallas on Saturday, April 1st. We have even more amazing guest stars in the last episodes, culminating in a thrilling series finale um, by acclaimed science fiction author Robert J. Sawyer. We want to thank each of you for your patience while we've been busy and for your support and encouragement throughout our run. It is our sincere pleasure to bring a conclusion to a beloved original series of Star Trek at long last. Live long and prosper. So, um... So yeah, this is um, fundraising that they did, of course, um, before the fan film guidelines and everything else came in and um, with all the stuff that they had already planned. So they are, they of course have registered as a non-profit and have got all the paperwork through and everything else because they were doing it properly. And of course, Alec Peters did his usual thing. So he okay, went before before you before you even start that. Did you guys discuss like last week about the fan edit thing and then what he did? Um, we did dis- um, discuss the fan edit and the fact that he went and took it down under copyright. Yeah. See, shouldn't that wholly violate the terms of settlement? Yep. Because that is him claiming copyright on something that doesn't even belong to him anymore. Yep. And I believe that the person who posted the video has put in a challenge to it. So unless he goes down a legal route to claim it, that will probably be up in the next few weeks. But yeah, but he, yeah, he, he shouldn't have even done that because of his settlement. Um, but yeah, we did go through that last week. Yeah, see, one, not only is that stupid, two, it shows just how easily abused... I mean, it continues. Not it's not even it do, not even shows. It continues to show how easily abused the the copyright claim system is through Google, uh, through YouTube, and and because of how that system is wholly set up by YouTube. Even if even if Paramount and CBS wanted to take Alex back into court to say. You dis, you know, you you threw the table on the terms of the settlement. Now we're going to take, you know, take you for everything you are. It still would have to be after the period of the the claim itself in the first place. For uh, you know, after the claim, essentially, Peters would have to come back to that initial claim uh, and say, "I still contest a charge." That's that's how the whole thing is set up. And it is so vile because it literally, even even if the video itself is not making money for the person who posts the video, any revenue that is seen to YouTube is literally held in an escrow, which means that any company for any reason can claim a copyright uh, uh, and have that video shut down or have all the money literally pulled for 30 days while 
quote-unquote, the two parties decide who owns the video. And that is abused so often and so much by a company just claiming the video initially and then letting it go after the 30 days. When yeah, I know. Who- but alternatively, if they left it up during that time and it was in breach, YouTube could end up um, with huge fines, which is why it's done the other way around. Well, basically, well, I, no, no, that's not that's not that's not my that's not the issue. The issue, and this is something that they've only recently changed. This is something that they've only recently changed, like within the last year, recently changed. Was that originally, whenever they, those copyright claims were issued, as frivolous as they may have been, whoever then asked uh whoever then copyrighted it and filed the initial complaint got all of the money for that 30-day period no ifs ands or buts instead of it being held by youtube Mm. and a lot of the a lot of the a lot of that initial claim rigging is leftover bullshit for that initial setup well luckily no information no information no money was used um it's not a for-profit thing that True. this was up True. But, yeah, the thing is, when it comes to that, there is no perfect system. Um, and, yes, it is open to abuse, which it gets a lot. Now, shortly after this um, post came out from Star Trek Continues, Alec went and posted, So, as we previously noted, Star Trek Continues is going to violate fan film guidelines by releasing four more full-length episodes. It'll be interesting to see if CBS does anything about that. None of the, these episodes were in production before the guidelines came out. So yes, are not they were. subject. They were not subject to grandfathering in. Star Trek Continues is just hoping they can get it past CBS. If CBS Bullshit. doesn't take... If CBS d- I know you're reading this independently, but every yeah. single sentence of this, I just want to interrupt because I hear him saying this, and I just want to, I just want to sit there and go, "Bullshit! You're an ass. Shut the hell up. This is you whining." Yeah. You well, lost. <laughs> we'll get to each of the points. Let's just finish reading it first. Um, if CBS doesn't take any action, then the floodgates are open for other productions to violate the guidelines as well. And then in brackets. Axanar will not be. We agreed to a settlement and intend to honour it. Close bracket. But so funny that the production that kept saying how much they respected CBS rights and the, in quotes, rules, violates them so blatantly. Well, everything about that was just complete bollocks to begin with. Because first of all, the fundraising was done before the guidelines were released. It was after or during his um, lawsuit when it was dealt, but um, it was before the guidelines were actually released for a start. So although no production was started, pre-production had started. And the guidelines specifically say they excluded anything that where any was already production... in production. Exactly. And pre-production or not, it was already in production. Yeah. So first of all, again, complete bullshit. So the grandfathering in does count. Now, well, here's here's even you also even have to remember before the the Kickstarter itself was was uh, started and completed before CBS in Paramount even went out of their way to go, hey guys, stop fundraising. The rest of you, yeah. 
So the whole thing was they literally had all of their money in hand as your lawsuit was starting, Mr. Peters, and before CBS went, everybody else needs to stop raising money until this shit gets settled. So, Sorry. yeah, this wholly falls under all the grandfathering. So your point is bullshit. As yeah. for the you agreed to the settlement, you violated that the moment you claimed the fan in it. Exactly. So, and the thing is, when it comes to their Star Trek Continues production, they have proved that they are non-profit. None of this bullshit where they're buying a studio because they need it. So if they do what every other fan production did is they rent the space they need because there was no need to buy. And yeah, just, yeah, well, we won't get started because we've already gone through that bullshit before. But strangely enough is some of the comments, now I just took the first couple and the first three that sort of appeared on there. So, um, Kashim uh, Hathaway said, come on, fam. The, those episodes were in the can before the edict was handed down. I support Axner, but I'm not showing up for a slander against Star Trek Continues. They aren't the enemy here. Rodney Hennessy said, I think the best choice would be to delete this update. Stephen Willis said, well, second time Axner has disappointed me. First settling, now being pretty, um, now being petty about it. Well, <laughs> those were just the top three. As you read down, there were so many comments, and basically all of them were turning around to Alec, going, "You're Bullshit. a twat." Bullshit. <laughs> there is no reason to have gone after Star Trek continues on this. This was in poor taste, and literally every single one of them was going. Why are you coming out with this shit? Really? Why? And eventually, um, sort of within hours, it was actually deleted. They actually this deleted it. This is a man it. who just needs to put down the computer, put down his phone and go away on holiday, not post anything on social media and do nothing. And even removing a post from a site where it says something like, no post shall be removed because this is being kept for historical posterity or whatever it is that's written down there, is, you know, it's, you've broken another rule that you were claiming to follow. Well, as we have seen time and time again, that literally anything he says is just complete bullshit because he goes against everything he says. Even the interview that he had with Trek Yards. And it's just like, well, we said at the very beginning that the first Kickstarter wouldn't even cover the, um, the first third of the movie. It's just like bullshit in your own interview, on your own podcast. And the updates when it came to sort of, um, is it the Indiegogo or Kickstarter? Actually said in print, we have actually got enough money already to complete this part of the film it's just like so either once again you were bullshitting back then or once again you're bullshitting again or you're just completely bullshitting both times and you're still doing it it's just like ah but you have to remember he is the one okay my personal opinion here is about to come out so buckle up bitches all right um this is one of the worst cases of sore loser i have seen avert 
just because he got caught with his hand in the IP cookie jar and got it slapped and slapped rather noticeably in front of the entire fucking world since he says that he has supporters, so many thousand supporters around the world. He is now trying to say, I wasn't the bad guy. CBS and all them are the bad guys. And I was just the one that was used to be an example of. And these guys are still screwing up. Bullshit, Mr. Peters. Fess up, grow up, grow a set, and show that you have some testicular fortitude and take your punishment like a man. Otherwise, stick a sock in it because whatever you've got there currently, yeah, it's not working. When your own fans that have backed you from the beginning are saying that you're full of shit, guess what? You might want to listen. That means that you're probably full of shit. Now, I will admit, when I first heard about Axonar, I supported it. I thought it was a good idea. However, doing further research, I started questioning it, which is part of the reason why I've kept quiet for so long. And the more and more I've seen and the more and more I've read, not only from Axonmonitor, but from the other pro-Axonar sites, um, the more and more bullshit I was seeing being handed out by the D9 load. Now, for those of you who are not aware, that is a giant frickin' bulldozer. And it was trying to be force-fed into everybody's throats that he was in the right. And he was just trying to do what should have been done. Sorry, folks. Uh, bullshit only goes so far when fertilizing a field. And he has poisoned that field way beyond repair. There's, there's, there's a thing here that you have to, you have to apply in, in everyday life. Not just as part of our fandoms or or what. Every time you meet somebody who has an idea that you are okay with and you support, but the moment you question them on anything, they call you a hater or the enemy, or they say you're wrong, you need to sit down, you need to shut up, or, or, or they say you have blood coming from wherever. You need to question that person as a person that will get that job done in the first place. Because legitimately, that person has not answered your question and has turned around and insulted and criticized you for asking a question. And 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 yes, that is that is me getting pseudo-political here. But it's true. When <laughs> when you ask a question, when you ask a question of someone, whether whether it is whether that person feels it's a legitimate question or not. And they turn around and criticize and disrespect and berate you. You need to question. You need to further question whether or not that person is going to hold to the ideal that you that you are, are that you ascribe to them with with that you know with what you agreed with in the first place. Well, that's where this whole thing started with me. Is I'd started asking some questions, um, which was of course well before um, all the stuff from sort of the lawsuits and everything else. And, of course, from Alec Peters, I was threatened, bullied, doxxed, all because I was asking some simple questions about, well, what's going on? Like, yeah, show us, show, do, do you have any, do you have any, production photos do you have filming photos no where's where's this update where's this shot where are the books no continues releases their books 
to to go nonprofit. Where are your oh, there's a spreadsheet that your kid can do. Well, not like, just that is the fact that he's saying that he's applying for was it the five hundred three C or something? Yeah, five hundred one C three status, which is a charitable right, organization. You. Yeah, sorry, not being in America and don't know the correct codes off. That's by okay. Heart. That's um, okay. But yeah, he's still going through the thing. Oh, yes, we're applying for that. And it's just like, well, okay, if you've applied for that now, because for ages he's been saying he's applying for it, then why is it we still haven't, as donors, they still haven't seen the books? Because if he's applied for it, that means the books have been done. And of course, now he's coming out with all this crap. Oh, no, nothing personal came out of my own... um, or was not for me because it all got paid back in all the stuff for the cars was all out of my own money and it's just like then why was that even in the books why was it that that stuff yeah why was that stuff sent to the court it's just like sorry (laughs) again i claim bullshit because if it was above board he would have released it because he said from the very beginning i'm going to be transparent Here's my financials. And then, of course, it wasn't the financials. It was this shitty little spreadsheet. And still, years later, it's still not given it. The settlement itself. The settlement itself. When the judge said, no, we're going to have to introduce the books. That's when the settlement took place. That is exactly when the settlement took place. Although his lawyer does say in the interview that I think it was last week we mentioned with, I can't remember, what the other website was um, offhand, um, that the talks were in progress all the time, so that was just coincidence and had nothing to do with it. No, 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 no. See, that's I the call thing. bullshit. They had, to, they had CBS and Paramount for all the shit they were getting from the XNR fans and other fans who were just now stumbling upon it and thinking it was CBS and Paramount for all of the shit they were getting. CBS and Paramount were the ones keeping negotiations open, quote-unquote, in good faith. It was Alec Peters pushing the whole time for a trial. And the only time that changed was when a judge at the court level literally said, this trial is going to have open books. That's when the settlement happened. Exactly. And it's just like... Why didn't he do that settlement of saying, right, well, we're not going to do the full thing. We'll respect the thing right at the beginning. Why? Because until then, he had a chance to basically try and, well, basically bullshit his way through it all. Squirrel away the assets so he didn't have to pay as much as as, as people thought, as he might have thought he would have to pay. Or uh, as what was visually represented that he would have to pay. And of course... Sort of $1.5 million later, what I still cannot believe is that so many people, despite everything, still trust him and are saying, oh, yes, I'll give you more money. It's just like, OK, give me your email address. I'll send you something saying I'm the prince from Africa or Nigeria and that you need to give me money, too, because if you're that fucking gullible, then yeah, I'll happily take your money. At this, just, point, at this point, you, you does does anybody remember the does anybody remember the 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 stagehand that got in trouble years ago for 
having a friend record him walking around the TNG set like he was a fucking official uh, doing a, a tour of the TNG shit and breaking TNG set props and stuff. No. Okay, that I was vaguely a, remember it. There was a, there was a guy who did that. He got his ass fired. He got his ass fined, and a whole <laughs> bunch of whole bunch of shit for doing that because he he dressed up and acted like he was a, an official spokesperson and was giving a tour of DNG, and that f- that film wound up finding its way to YouTube. Uh, I, I want to say last year or something, but. That's essentially that's essentially the shit that's going on now. Peters has had minimal involvement in Star Trek. He's you know because he's been a collector of all this stuff, and yeah, he's helped out here and there. Okay, he's essentially that guy, and then he went into the process of making his own little bullshit thing, and he started breaking IP. He started breaking IP in the fact that he wanted to build a studio around this film and then continued to use that studio for profit for other ventures. I'm sorry. That's breaking the props of the set for the track IP. And it's essentially he's essentially that other guy to me. And if that other guy had then turned around and set up like a Kickstarter for doing his own TNG thing after having done all that shit and getting fired and then wanting to go to court to CBS for being falsely fired. It's like bullshit. What you did was wrong. You shouldn't have done it. And because you did, you got what you deserved. Unfortunately, Nobody I don't think should he did get what again. he deserved. <laughs> so, but yeah. It, but yeah, as I said, I just can't believe people still follow him. And it's just like, people have said to me, oh, you're just one of these haters. It's just like, look, I was a supporter. I donated. And by asking a simple question before all this exploded, I got bullied. I got threatened. I got doxxed. I got banned from donor privileges that I should have always had access to because I was just asking very simple questions in a polite manner. And it's just like there and was you no got legit docs, not like this is a public filing for a company that has my grandson's address. And ooh, I've been doxxed because this public document has been made public by the people I consider haters. Uh, yeah. bullshit. I don't meanwhile, that, midnight over here. Meanwhile, midnight over here's actual personal fucking information was released by Alec Peters on Alec Peters Axis in our Facebook thingy to say, "Hey, look, this hater has been refunded. He is to be removed from every fucking thing." Uh, what? No, no, no. See, that's doxing, Mister Peters. Yeah, and it's and just that's mental and- because midnight, you're one of the most diplomatic, calm and measured people that I know and to be treated like that is just shocking. And the thing is, is of course, as with most people who went through all this, is I took screenshots of the entire thing and, well, even on the show, read out word for word what was said and everything else. And it's just like not one point through any of it did I get rude, abusive or anything else like that, but still I got treated that badly. And it's just the fact that people still somehow trust him. And it's just like, why? How? <laughs> I, because, I really don't uh, understand. Because, because he's one, 
a charismatic figure. Two, he's involved in something that people feel is a successful venture. And three, because of those first two things, people can blindly follow him right off a cliff. And will follow him blindly right off a cliff. And I mean, it's it's been a, a it's been applicable to it's been applicable to other characters. And I'm sorry, but the biggest the biggest two are right there: Stalin and Hitler. Charismatic person has some had has had some minor success. Hitler was a war hero to an extent. And people just blindly followed him off a cliff. Well, and of course, those that stood up against went to trial, were considered haters, and some of them died because of it. Well, I wouldn't go as far as saying that Alec Peters is Hitler. I'm not. But... Yeah, I'm, no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Peters is Hitler, but he, he he's I, been bad, but he's not that bad. No, uh, he's, no, he's not there... sending a black car round to pick up midnight in the middle of the night and um never hear from him again <laughs> i'd like to see him try <laughs> yeah but see he but. has to he has to have power before he can do that you know and at this point at this point we're at the stage where we've nipped hitler in the butt so he's 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 not going to get that power he's not most of hollywood is not going to even let his name be spoken around anybody he's not going to be label he's not going to be able to be involved in anything trek in the future except except as a as as a independent civilian fan and not like actually part of anything the issue now is he's only limited to of course two 15 minute segments plus documentaries that he's going to be probably releasing forever because that'll be like the only thing he can release and of course all the people who were behind smelling a shit smelling warehouse studio that he may or may not have to sell that is full of of quote-unquote independent filmmakers who are also making their own star trek films Mm. which was supposedly happening but of course all the people behind prelude who made prelude what it was they walked they saw what was happening and they disappeared so if he may be able to use certain characters in there but well richard hatch he's unfortunately died um tony todd he was one of the early people in that who walked as well Gossett, the director, walked. Yep. So the guy who uh, made Horizons literally just went, yeah, okay, I'm out. Especially, <laughs> especially finding out that Pierce paid himself, and here was the 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 Star Trek Horizons director who didn't get diddly squat for being the visual effects dude. Yep. Then you've got um, Al the Vulcan, um, Gary. Gary Graham. Gary uh, Graham. So Vol. Ambassador Suval. Yep. Yes. So, yeah. So he's not around anymore. So all the people that made Prelude as good as it was, which, well, didn't really include um, sort of Alec Peters because, well, even before I knew who Alec Peters was, I remember talking to a friend about it and I said, there's just the person who played Garth. He, he didn't seem to be the strong enough character that I thought he should be. And that was before I actually knew who Alec Peters was, because even as a donor, I didn't actually know that it 
was him who was playing Garth until we started going through all this stuff. Oh, yeah, uh, no, that's, that's, and that's, that's something that he missed. Yeah, and he was the only part of Prelude that I that thought let it down. kind of out of place. Yeah, and of course, when it came to this fan edit, he was cut out, and it made it so much stronger. Not it only really was he did. cut out, the whole Queen Bitch Whore of the Federation thing was cut out, too. This, this fan edit is so much better than the original Prelude, and the original Prelude was kind of amazing. So, with all these people who made it amazing now gone... Then you've got what, well, basically, Alec is an amateur at this because he's never really done it himself. So, yeah, he's only down to private donors. Now, unfortunately, as we mentioned, there are still so many people who seem to have a lot of money who are just going, yeah, sure, take all my money, we'll give you more money. But it's just like, well, given how much he wasted away, I'm not sure what the quality is going to be. And given the fact that he's now expected to have the same sort of quality as Prelude, I can see it taking forever and a day to try and get it up to that sort of quality. And then, well, I just think it's going to flop. But, of course, there's still going to be those people who just throw the money at him to just keep doing it. But, unfortunately, yeah, his name is, well, (laughs) Mud. His name is so, um, oh yeah. no, wait, yours was better, Midnight. Yours was better. His name is Mud. <laughs> Harry fucking Mud. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> it took a moment, but I got there. <laughs> I waited. So, <laughs> but yeah, as with all these things, t- time will tell. But yeah, it is just the fact that eventually so many people had just. Just said to him, what the hell are you doing regarding sort of bad-mouthing Star Trek continues when it was so obvious that they are doing things within the limits that it's just because they're not down to use the guidelines because of they had done the fundraising for all those episodes beforehand. And the thing is, they've been good enough that they've literally just kept quiet throughout all this. They... But it's just, and the fact that he just turned around, and there were so many comments like, look, you, any fan production should just be supporting other fan productions, which is what people have been saying from the get-go. But as we saw throughout all this mess, that Alec Peters is very fast to throw any other production under the bus to try and sort of take the spotlight away from him when it comes to what he's done wrong. Oh, it's not just productions. It's people, too. Think, Remember this. But, yeah, of course, by now, if it wasn't for all this crap and what Alec had done, we would have had more from Renegades as Star Trek Renegades, so they wouldn't have had to redo the first part and then the second parts to make a standalone well, see, two-parter. See, that's, that's, the, that's the rub. That's the rub. We can continue saying that we can continue to say that we could we would continue we would continue having all this and all that. But the biggest issue and the and Alec Peters was bound to take place and bound to happen because of the climate of Star Trek at this point. 
because of all of the other successful Kickstarter-y Star Trek shit. And because there was no ground rules on the Kickstarter stuff. Yeah, That's something exactly may... why Peter's happened. Yeah, thing is, something may have happened, but out of all the productions that have been going on, there was only one which went and started doing things the way he... Um, that basically, it's just like, no, you are making money. So there is no need to buy a studio. There is no need to announce that you are going to have other people renting your studio out to make money to have the doors open to make a fan production. It's just like, yeah, sorry, that is making money. That is a commercial venture on someone else's IP. Nobody else did that. No one. Well, see, I, uh, I, can, I can both agree and disagree with that assessment. Because when it comes to continues, you've had these guests, and I don't know if we've asked a question or, or, or if somebody else asked a question, but I feel like the question was asked, oh, hey, was that, was that guy who played the doctor on that one, you know, was that guy who played the doctor from Doctor Who, who was on your one episode, was he compensated for his role? And a lot of times, you know, you'll, those actors will say, yeah, they were, you know, they were paid for their parts. Um, you know, even, even in, uh, even in the interviews and shit for Prelude, it's, uh, yeah, the only reason that, you know, Tony Todd, said, you know, the only reason he even agreed to it is because he agreed to be paid a sum for his part. It's like, these people are, you know, this this stuff is not supposed to be, you know, a for-profit venture in any way, yet these people are being pulled in that are both uh, Trek elites and other famous actors, and they're being pulled in not just because it's Star Trek or it's a fan Trek, but because they're also being paid whether we publicly know that or not, and that yeah. that that violates the spirit of you're not supposed to be making the profit. You're not supposed to be making profit anyway. Yeah, but there's a difference from paying someone to try and continue a story arc, the basic sort of SAG rate, to getting your own studio. Oh no, I I yeah. completely agree yeah. and understand. But that. no, I but, I do understand what you're saying, and yes, there may have been something. And but the thing is, is CBS could have to get round that. It's just gone to SAG saying, "Tell your members not to take on unofficial work where we don't get the money," and SAG would have handed down some sort of notice or something sort of similar to that. Maybe they wouldn't have had to have been this whole thing with a lawsuit, um, but. Yeah, what Alec had done sort of went way, way beyond anything else. Well, if you're, look, if you're going to take it to the extreme, why not take it to the most ultimate extreme and see how much money you can milk out of it in the first place, right? True. Right. Anyway. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, huh? <laughs> Alec Peters is the ultimate fucking human Ferengi. <laughs> Except he lost this time. And he now has a bad reputation because of it. And closing up by going back to Dragon's reference to Fertilizer. If you act like an absolute twit, you'll end up in the shit. Love it. Anyway, moving on to other things. It's time for some real world stuff. So time for Science Lab. 
Science Lab. Um, yes, this is more really out of this world stuff because seven new planets were recently discovered in the Trappist system by NASA. See, see, uh, there's a there's a mixed meme here when it comes to me because all of the Star Trek and the the meme community fans instantly turned to the Admiral Akbar thing, and that's cool. I get that. But as a person who loves effeminate men, there is a there there is a term that is used both lovingly and derogatorily called trap. So when I hear this term, I can't help but be conflicted, but think of an effeminate Admiral Akbar in a wig going, I'm a trap. That is an opposite image here. that exists. It means the absolute opposite here. It means uh a sort of a a femme fatale black widow who's luring a man to his death. That's what a trap means in Scotland. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I understand, but different cultures have have different, you know, takes on this stuff. And just just hearing the word trappist, I'm like, God, I I can't I can't unsee this image anymore. <laughs> and you discovered seven of them. So yeah, um, Adam Nimoy reply to NASA's tweet, didn't he? Do, well, see, do. I'm not sure if it was their their tweet or just what it was, but there's the hashtag of seven names for seven planets, and he was feeling, I guess you could say, a little nostalgic in his reply. He's like, you know, I've got the perfect name. Kurt, Spock, Uhura, Bones, yeah. It's one of those that name them after the bridge crew of the original series, and yeah. I think that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, and Nimoy turned around and said, this is so obvious. Kirk, Spock, Bones, Ahura, Sulu, Scotty, Chekhov. And... Yes, yes, but which three are the habitable zone names? <laughs> but yeah, reckon um... some of these planets may be Earth-like and may have life well, no, on no, no, them. No, 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 no. All seven of the planets are Earth-like. Three of them are in the Goldilocks zone. For you know, for human habitation, what well, we consider what we consider for life to exist in a in in a solar system, the distance from the sun for life to exist, three of those planets are in that zone. Yeah. Well, the first reply to that was someone just saying "mic drop," um, and there were many many other replies, including um, one person who turned around and said. Um, well, it sure beats bashful, doc, dopey, grumpy, happy, sleepy, sneezy. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody, somebody actually said, "Call the sun, Sarek, and I'm on board." Well, midnight. If they were dwarf planets, that would be applicable. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was wondering who was going to go there. It had to Me be too. done, dragon. It had to be done. So, exactly. um, so yeah, um, they're looking for seven names for seven. Um, planets so they're using the hashtag hash the number seven then names for again the number seven planets so seven names for seven planets that's that itself that itself is a reference to a movie seven brides for seven brothers brothers. yep god i'm the youngest here and i feel old (laughs) great musical (laughs) okay 
So now it's time to see what's happening in the community. In the community. <laughs> dance party starts in half a minute. Get out on the dance floor. <laughs> Coming soon from Z Films. Zeph uh, Films. Well, they're working on a 25th anniversary TNG tribute video. So he's recently finished a project called Demo Record School, where he explains the ins and outs of how to create videos using Demo Record and how the system operates. Um, Demo Record is a tool within Star Trek Online. So um, you've got the links to his channel and the relevant playlist there as well. So when he comes out with the tribute video, we will let you know. Um, A new Twitter account has been created um, named at Curland here. So the info states it's James Curland, commanding officer of Deep Space Nine and the USS Defiant. Then it says selfie master. So that's the description. Basically, this is a parody account. Now, well, I no, am... it explicitly says it's also a parody account. In yeah, the no, too. yeah, it does. Um, so I'm not sure. I don't think it is actually controlled by the person who voiced Cohen. Um, but uh, yeah, um, definitely worth checking out. So that's twitter.com uh, forward slash Curland here. I, I honestly, I don't know. Uh, I don't think it is, because um, so, otherwise it probably would have been done a long time ago, um, to be honest. And uh, Well, it's not even that. Just, like, some of the photos seem... I don't know if it's if they're, like, manipulated, but I don't know if you can move some of the static stuff around. There's the shot of, of him standing on one of the podiums of the... Uh, the clother on Earth Space Dock. It's like, there's normally a mannequin there, and I don't know if, like, the mannequins are part of the static Earth Space Dock model or are not there and have to be placed there. So I think it's someone who's foundry. using the foundry. Yeah, From definitely. what I've seen, I think it's someone who's using the foundry to do these. And, yeah, as a Star Trek Online developer... Uh, although they like to have fun, I don't think running a parody account for the character he voiced would be something he has time to do. Yeah, I kind of doubt that as well, personally. It's probably those lovable little scamps from the Foundry Roundtable. <laughs> or it could be it could be the mysterious, uh, what was that? Oh, God. Uh, that other parody account that was running around trying to do its own freaking RNG like years ago. Like everybody thought was that's it, Stow Fugitive. Stow Fugitive, yeah, that yeah, that never came back, did it? <laughs> but, nope, um, that died quickly, and it's like, what happened? And of course, the developer that we're talking about, because I just realised I hadn't mentioned his name, is of course Jeremy Randall. So, um, so yeah, I I don't think. Bort, 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 bort. But yeah, I I don't think it's him that's doing this. For for those of you who are unaware, yes, that was the Swedish chef thing. But no, Jeremy Randall is also is also known as Borticus Cryptic. I was thinking more along the lines of 
itchy and scratchy land. Uh, the gift shop has ran out of Bort license plates. Okay. Okay. Simpsons. Still, his, his, his cryptic handle is Bork is cryptic. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, if you'd like to check that out, then yeah, head over to his handle at Curland here. So, which of course is his line in the Deep Space Nine. Um, Boldly 20... they rode. Yep. The tw- what was it? Twenty four hundred. It also makes joke no, appearances. 2,800. 2,800, yeah. I keep thinking of the 4,400 and getting the two mixed up and keep coming up with 2,400 for some weird reason. So, um... Maths. <laughs> there's but that, yeah. there's that, that, that fugitive station on asteroid 20-something, 40-something. Yeah. But basically, his tagline is, Kerland here. And they even have, um, was it in Midnight, wasn't it? They actually have it. They recycled the asset, yeah. Yeah, they come back and he goes, Girl in here. <laughs> so, okay. Well, now it's time for community feedback. Community feedback. Join with us. Share your thoughts. Resistance is futile. Done. I take it away. W- w- me? Okay. <laughs> okay. If I'm going to do this, preface. I have been away for the past couple of days. So if anybody has made feedback, I have not seen it. This is the first time I'm reading it. I didn't even think I'd. That's what makes it so fun. Week. Look, I didn't even think I'd be on the show this week because I was at a wedding. So, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so our first community question was what balance changes would you like to see in Star Trek Online? Uh, Merwinian from the Star Trek Timelines Discord server and Tin Forward channel uh, responded and said the variety of possible equipment builds on grounded space and sheer amount of practically interchangeable equipment is really freaking complicated for less experienced players. Or people without the time to spend hours and hours farming, rerunning missions, researching, crafting, and testing. The game could could use a radical simplification of its abilities. The The simplification of the skill tree was very welcome, at least by me. I have to agree. Alex! And I would have to agree as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was way better than having to plug thousands and thousands of points into a big tree that was to a new player quite daunting and with the whole you know like i don't know if i'm doing this right or wrong thing and the all the worries about having to purchase a respec if you think you kind of mess it up but now it's you know it feels easier and a lot of people have managed to create sort of cookie cutter trees that can help you get what you need out of your build. You're no longer like wholly dumping level up points into sector space speed and sift generator and all that kind of stuff because then it's a then this little bubble that says sector space speed at the bottom once you reach a certain milestone and then you know as you're doing the thing the sift generator is essentially oh I need more health on my ship okay cool it's like yeah that's that's kind of one of those practical things that should have been there for the longest time 
And now that we have, like, all of these sets that have all kinds of different bonuses and things, it's like, some of this stuff is kind of locked away to the players who come in and don't have access to, like, the old ships, you know. And some of this stuff is kind of locked away because exclusivity for some event that has never come back around again with that particular thing. And we saw an easing of that with the Phoenix Lock box thing that was Dilithium purchased. But it's, you know, there's still going to be this buildup before they release the next one. Which means not only are the people who were hunting for the bits last time that they missed, there's going to be more new bits that they may have missed. Eh. Alex responded on the forums, You know, I watched a few of Timberwolf's budget build videos, and when I thought about how easy it is to get those items and how he and the random team members just smashed the time optionals, a random group with that kind of build or worse should not be able to finish a 15-minute timer in advanced queue with 10 or more minutes to spare, which brings me to a question I have asked before. Who is the game's target audience? If advanced queues are easy to complete, this game uh is this game meant for casuals? But if it's meant but if but if it is meant to be that easy, why are there a billion buff debuff symbols? Pretty much every MMO out uh, every other MMO, MMO out there has decided to cut down on that kind of UI bloat. Even back in the dark days of raiding in World of Warcraft, I don't remember seeing that many buff and debuff symbols. It's basically impossible to keep track of all of them, so why bother in the first place? Yeah, they, they go across half of the screen. That's, that's mental. I guess what I'm trying to say is I think Cryptic should take out the big X and start chopping away. Cut all of those buffs and debuff symbols so that I can get a look at the status bar and know immediately what's happening. Apart from that, I did suggest Stowe's awesome random Q, and, and that's with with a Q, not a Q, not a Q U E U E. Okay, but it means the same thing. My suggestion would be to have a random space and a random ground and a random space advanced, and a random ground advanced. Rework the reward system to encourage players to queue for a random queue instead of a specific queue. Rework the advanced so that the budget builds like the ones on Timberwolf, uh, like the ones Timberwolf is showcasing, can achieve optionals, but make sure they don't just breeze through it. If they finish an optional, 15-minute timer with a 2-5 to five minutes to spare, well, that would sound more reasonable to me. If elite queues are supposed to be the most difficult content, they should require a pre-made group and could even require the Holy Trinity. That's, uh, that's uh, you know, your, your DPS, your heals, and your tank, which is your... Uh, your tactical, your engineer, and your science. So, there you go. And one last thing. Cryptic has this tendency of balancing the game by throwing more damage into the mix. I think it would be nice if they tried to make utility abilities more useful slash necessary. This is probably the most difficult to implement, but hey, you wanted my opinion.
is there may be a lot of buffs and debuffs, but one of the things I like about Star Trek Online is the fact that you have a lot of choice to build things the way you want it to be built with a lot of other MMOs, although I've only played a limited amount. You're basically limited to such a small option that it doesn't give you much choice to just play with all these different things. And I like the fact that there are so many ships, so many buffs, um, that you can literally just do anything you want to do rather than anything the game developer can come up with. It's like, to me, Apple versus Android. With Android, you can have anything the way you want it, like any type of background or customization. But with Apple, you're stuck with just what they give you. Um, but and I and I like the fact that allows. But yes, it does make things harder to see, and it does give you that UI bloat. So I do see the other side of it, and yes, sometimes using all those abilities can actually be difficult, um, especially when they bog down the server and the entire like next three months is spent going. Oh crap! We created these abilities, and they're actually slowing our game down. We have to find out what the problem is. Well, wasn't that what happened? As a was the command specializations. It was like the the precursor events to the beginning of beginning of the the bug hunter team. Mm-hmm. Another thing, Trendy Trendy helped create and then got fired. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna let that I'm not gonna let that go, Perfect World. Ever. Ever. I will hold you personally responsible for the firing of Trendy, and I will hold Cryptic personally for, personally responsible for not rehiring her as part of Cryptic's team. Yeah, um that's that's right. They should be fighting for. Well, the responsibility lies with Perfect World with their model. Um as the parent company, so I don't think there's much they can do. Well, but no, what, I what guess I, you're no, right what, there, what Midnight. I'm, They'll turn what, around and say, we can't hire her because we've got um, Mike. Yeah, because Perfect World are there as a parent company, and they are responsible for doing that side of things. Now, fortunately, when they took Mike on, the arrangement was that Mike unlike how Trendy and Trevor and Brandon beforehand, they all worked in the Perfect World office for four days a week and then one day a week, if they could, would work or go and visit the Cryptic Studios. Um, I think it, this was actually Trendy's idea, though I can't be 100% sure, but she arranged it, as far as I'm aware, that most of Mike's time is actually at Cryptic Studios, although he is still employed by Perfect World, and then he spends just that sort of day a week or something at the Perfect World this, office. This he is made the a passing he's remark. Called Ambassador Kale because he is the ambassador of Perfect World at Cryptic. He made a passing remark in one of the live streams that Perfect World came into my office and picked up a batch of things from my desk. And I had to go and contact Perfect World to get the things back because they took the wrong things. So it is he is doesn't move out of that building for any reason. They come to him for whatever they need and want. Or at least if that's the old what system, I get. If the old system was still in place, if the old system was still in place, 
and Mike was still working at the Perfect World office and having to go to Cryptic, it would make an enormous amount of sense that when Trendy was fired, Cryptic would then turn around and rehire her for the Cryptic team as the marketing liaison to essentially gather all the stuff from the Cryptic devs to hand to Kale when Kale comes, and then Kale can give it to the marketing team to have it all posted on the website. Because that was Trendy's job in the first place. But that wouldn't be Cryptic. Anyway, getting back to community feedback. Okay, community question two. With the return of the gauntlet and Star Trek timelines, do you feel there is enough, uh, too little, or too much to do in-game? Merwinian responded, again from the Timelines Discord server, but Star Trek Timelines is beginning, uh, being a freemium release, is still based on restricting what you can do and locking you out of various activities based on arbitrary timers. Four hours between gauntlet refreshes, ten minutes between cadet tickets, I hate it, but the problem is inherent to the model. I don't disagree. You can't disagree. Yeah. But so well, during a, a live stream recently from Timelines, um, about a month or so ago, the the sort of the free things that they sell as well were mentioned, like slots and that, and the the dev in question really looked like they were on the spot and they're just like, no, we can't do that. Like it was a programmed response. Yeah. It, it, but yeah, it's a shame. It's just, yeah, it's so restrictive. It limits what you can play. And I think that if they freed it up more, more people would play for longer and put more into the game personally. But at the end of the day, they know what people are doing and they've based this model and the times based on their other game that they've had and the experience they've got from that. And they will continue to do so a bit like with cryptic and what they get from their own stats. Things are done based on what they see the community doing. So, stop buying lockboxes. For the love of God, stop buying lockboxes. So all this stuff can be in the store for a flat rate. Sorry. People buy lockboxes. Yes. Yep. There's a reason. I thought the it was a waste of dilithium, but there's there's a reason the lockboxes have an EC value. Oh, you're talking about from the exchange. I thought you meant from the dilithium store. No, no, no. Yeah, you can wholly buy lockboxes from the exchange and then turn around and buy the keys as well, which is the whole problem. Stop buying into lockboxes. Stop buying into the. Stop buying into the Teen Fortress Two hats. So, community question three. I'm sorry, Midnight. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Star Trek Discovery now that we know a little more about the casting? Was our third community question. Merwinian responded, It's doomed. It's been delayed twice and we have no idea when it will eventually air. Even though we're a month beyond when it was originally supposed to. I have no issues with the casting. I'm sure the actors will do fine work. That was never my concern. My concern was always that CBS really doesn't seem to have any sort of faith in a new track series or one that can succeed. The thing is, I would actually disagree. The fact that they've delayed it, I think, is good. Rather than rushing it out because it had to be out for a particular time slot 
and it not being as good as they want it. I'm glad that they've delayed it because the new streaming service that they're using to distribute it allows them that flexibility. And things got delayed at the very beginning, which means that it being delayed at the very end and sort of, I remember saying right at the beginning, I don't see how they can start filming to get it out for January. And when they said it was delayed to May, yeah, I was happy that it was being pushed back. Yes, I do want it now. Um, as with every Star Trek fan, I suppose. Um, but I'd rather them do a good job on it rather than rush it just to have a date because it got released. I'd rather them saying, we're still not ready, it's been pushed back. Well, you, you also have to remember the first two dates in the first place. The first two reasons for it being pushed back is you have uh, CBS hiring this producer who is wholly behind trying to get everything set up, but at the same time can't continue to be there because he has two other showed, he, he has two other known commitments and this third secret commitment that he has to be around for, and he can't continue to be this production leader and director and everything that they had wanted him to be in the first place. So he had to step back from one role then step down from everything and it's like hey we i i've got this ball in motion the rest of you guys can pick it up and you can have a new guy come in and he can work on it and if you have any questions you can call me i have to go work on these other things yeah and yeah these things happen and with a lot of times people take over and yeah, it doesn't work out well. Sometimes it does. Um, for example, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Um, the original script for that was crap. Um, Nick Myers got on board really late, and within a weekend they came out with a script, and it was a really good film. But majority of the time, that doesn't happen. So the fact that these things have delayed stuff from happening, and instead of pushing forward with it, trying to rush it through... They've decided to just take a step back and saying, right, we need to do this. We're delaying it. But no, as I said, I'm glad they're doing that because I'm glad that they're looking to do it the right way. Better to do it right the first time than screw it up. Yeah. I was about to say exactly the same thing, Dragon. 100% agree with that. Get it right, guys. Get it right. So, so Alex... Alex also responded and said, you know, I'm not going to go into the casting choices, but I will throw some crazy theories at you. When you talked about Discovery, Midnight stated that Voyager supposedly suffered from quite a bit of executive interference because it was meant to showcase uh, UPN. Yes, that was the Universal or United Paramount Network. It was essentially a joint network between Paramount and CBS, and their lead program was Star Trek Voyager. But Discovery would not suffer from the, fame, uh, the same fate since it's on CBS All Access. Uh, I don't agree with that assessment, because it's pretty much the exact same situation. Discovery is meant to push CBS All Access. 
So even though Netflix paid for the show, CBS will interfere to ensure all access is success. Just look at what we got so far. The ship was revealed, people reacted to it, and a day or two after the reveal, some official came out telling us how that was not the final model, but it was a really early version. I might be wrong, but that did not sound like someone who's trying to defend their vision or even sell it to us. And sounded like someone who's trying to appease the angry mob. Or the logo. Remember the split delta and the material it was made of? The production trailer showed a reworked version that looked much more like the delta we're used to. Like I said, I didn't like the first logo, but I would have preferred it if they had just stuck to their guns and tried to convince me of their vision. And now a crazy theory. Remember the leak you talked about? Yes, Midnight. Technically, that guy did not say that picture was showing Klingons, but I do agree with Zombie. See, if you made a Facebook post about how you just made the most amazing apple pie ever, and then the picture attached to the post shows strawberry cheesecake, people will ask you why the picture does not show the apple pie you're talking about. And since we're talking about implications, you mentioned some semi-official Twitter account talking about one less extra. You're usually the one who points out how companies like to keep quiet about things. This is one of those examples. They could have denied that that picture was real or just stayed quiet. This semi-official tweet implies that the picture was real without ever specifically confirming it. This whole deal seems rather fishy to me, so here's my theory. What if this was not a leak? What if they threw this picture out there like the ship reveal, and the logo, to test the, water, to test the waters and gather feedback. It gets people to talk about the... Uh, it gets people to talk. The semi-official tweet fuels the discussion. And if push comes to shove, CBS can just deny everything and fire whoever made that semi-official tweet. And remember, Netflix may have paid for the show, but CBS wants, or rather needs the show to be a success because it's meant to push all access. If I was a CBS executive, I would keep a close eye on the show. I guess we'll have to wait and see. I do not have a Netflix subscription right now, and since the setting does not interest me that much, I'm not sure whether I'll get a chance to check it out. Well, when it comes to what I'm um... Alex said at the beginning um, about interference from CBS All Access. Um, I'm sure on one of the interviews they said, we're not going to interfere. We're going to let the basically the people who know what they're doing deal with it. So they had actually said because, yeah, we have had on a lot of shows in history where there's been so much network interference that, people just go, oh, that was crap in the end. Um, and yeah, we get a lot less of this. They just sort of leave it up to the people who know what they're doing and they hired the right people to do so. Um, so I don't think we're going to get that sort of, pe those sorts of people sort of going, no, 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 we've got to have this. We want this. Um, with regards to the Delta and the ship, that was released before they properly sat down with all the people who are now hired to actually create what the vision was. 
So all they had got was this rough idea on the drawing board and they had something created very quickly just to get something out there as a way to promote what um, the final thing could look like. So they hadn't yet done the vision. Now it's in production that they have that sort of vision. Now, regarding the leak, as I said, it's just someone who said, yeah, one less extra. But anything where there's a leak like that, to be honest, if someone has breached an NDA like that, you would expect them to be fired. So that doesn't say that is or isn't to confirm what the photo was saying. If someone breached an NDA, you have to fire them because otherwise it's just allowing other people to do so. So, yeah, someone who's related um, to the production to say that, yeah, that is not something that I would say would say, actually, they, they are definitely Klingons. So, but yeah, as he said, at the end of the day, all we can do is just wait and see. Because, yeah, we only get snippets. And, yeah, sure, the whole ship thing, yeah, they may have changed the design because of feedback from sort of people out there. But then again, they may just not have had time to make those changes originally. thing is, you take the next generation, for example, people who saw clips of that to begin with, um, who were fans of the original series, they basically pissed all over it, said they were not going to, it was not Star Trek, um, it was not going to be a success and everything else because people liked what they were used to. Now, because technology has moved on so much just since Enterprise ended, there are going to, and never mind sort of what sort of came before then in the 80s and 90s and before then in the 60s, there are going to be reimaginings of aliens um, because we now have the ability. And I know people have said, well, why not have sort of Klingons completely reimagined that they've got like two heads and things like that. And it's just reasons why we have humanoids are actually in the show that they're not looking to reboot it. Um, that was already specified. Now, yes, because we have the technology now, some things will be reimagined just the same way that Klingons were with the ridges. Uh, and Dorians were reimagined when it came to how they looked from the original series to Enterprise, which supposedly even and came Tennis first. Antennas in the back, antennas in the front. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. But as technology moves forward, to make the things, if they make it look like it used to in the 60s, it, it's not going to attract new people. They're going to go, that looks dodgy. I don't the thing know. Is, I don't know. Midnight, did you play the Galorndon Core mission? <laughs> did you yeah. enjoy the 60s aesthetic? Yes, but the thing is, Trekkies are not the target audience. Just like when it came to everything in the Kelvinverse. The people who were already Trekkies are not the audience. They are looking to bring new people in. They, I think that's think that's the bigger issue. It's like, okay, you're looking to bring new people in. That's fine. You can still have these different aesthetics as part of the show, 
and explain them away as part of an alien concept. That, oh, look, these people are just now discovering the 60s for human beings. Oh, wow, that's cute and quaint, and some of that stuff is actually still kind of awesome. I mean, do you, do you remember the first couple of seasons of The Next Generation? There were whole decks of the Enterprise where there was nothing but wood paneling on the walls. Before they had those little cream-yellow bumper things. Like, the whole, um, like, the whole living quarters area, like, the civilian living quarters was, like, this carpet on the walls and wood paneling stuff. And it's like, yeah. yeah, that stuff seems really tacky now, but at the time, that was kind of this future alien concept thing. Well, and that was on yeah, that- computers at the time as well, like, uh, really old tape-driven computers had this wood paneling on them because it was cool and cutting edge. Well, yeah, but, but yeah, but, and that's a style that even carried over into the next generation. But see, you're still, I mean, you, you, you still have to come to the, this thing that, okay, this, this thing looks entirely retro. And for the time it's set in, it's between this retro style of filming and what we now know. Does it mean we have to have this old style and everything? No. But does it mean that is a that it should be a completely foreign and alien concept to not include elements from then? Also, no. Well, I'm sure they will include elements of what has come before. But, as I said, the target is for people of this day and age, which especially with the amount of science fiction that is out there and the high quality that we see, there is going to be a level of expectations on how it looks. With it looking retro, that probably won't help them, which is why some things will be reimagined. Um, And we have seen it before within Trek. Now, things like the Klingons, that got explained away in an episode. But there are some things of which got reimagined that never were explained. And I'm sure there may be some fan fiction somewhere that does actually do it. And well, I'm let's sure be honest. The be. Klingon thing was, was partially, uh, the Klingon thing was dismissed in one episode, then was partially explained in another episode, and then was drawn out for like a, an ex- exposition of the, the detailing of the events in other episodes that were its own mini arc. Yeah. So it as I said, it as well, as Alex has said as well, time will tell. But it's as I said We always keep going back to time travel, damn it. Why? <laughs> that old crutch. Well, it's what Star Trek's all about. <laughs> yes, okay. at some point I do wholly expect time travel just because of the, just time because trek. of the the design of the second ship. Just because of how the second ship is designed in the current setting and aesthetic of the Federation, the second ship looks like a design wholly from the future. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it is Federation or if it is Klingon, but the ship looks from the future. Yeah. But no, it will definitely be interesting to see what they do come up with and to, of course, analyze 
everything about it. I just really, I really hope, I really hope they still have the three little nacelle, the three little bizarre lights still on the nacelle. (laughs) That's that, that and some safety cages. That's all I want. (laughs) That's all I want. Because when they revealed that, that early concept of the, the ship coming out of the dock, that's all I wanted. Just, I don't care if you change the way the rest of the ship looks. Just keep the nacelles and add some safety cages to the Bassard collectors, because that's just badass. Okay, well, I think it's time we move on to the general, general feedback. General feedback! Okay, so the we had some general feedback to the uh, episode art for last week's episode midnight did you see this <laughs> yeah uh, well when i was rearranging things i thought that actually looks quite interesting when i miss out the third character because it basically looked like spock was about to take Loxana's uh, <laughs> head off <laughs> <laughs> And people picked up on it, surprisingly. He's already chopped her arm off and her legs off, and now he's about to finish the job. So so basically, in the art for last week, um, Midnight removed the bottom half of the Lerpa, so he's kind of cut off the Lerpa right as Spock's other arm, uh, or other hand, is holding the Lerpa to swing it. And then there is a picture of Miss Loxana Troy in front of Spock, like he's about to bat the back of her head with the Lerpa. And my issue with this is? Well, as it turns out, a couple of people from the Facebook group Star Trek Discovery, an unofficial fan page, picked up on on some strange similarities. Um, One Reno uh, Tomalik... I'm going to assume that that you are Romulan, yes. Um, <laughs> said the picture reminds me of the Prince of Persia spider sword, and he included a link to the picture itself. And yeah, it does share a a pretty good similarity. It's it's yeah, it does. Does it not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, in response does. to this, we got a reply from uh, Linda Butler, who said, To me, it looks like Spock is playing hurling. To which she included a picture of someone playing hurling. And yes, it also bears a striking similarity. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just that the bottom of the lap uh, interfered with the other background image that I was using. So it's just like, oh, I'll just remove it. <laughs> I thought, uh, that looks quite interesting. I'll see if it gets any response. <laughs> well, it got response. Look at that. It got response. So we had... How could... Okay. We definitely got response. So Anthony Adams of the Facebook group, Star Trek, the reboots, said, Is Spock getting ready to off Loxana? And Midnight responded, it does look that way, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Smiley face. (laughs) You troll, you. (laughs) No need to lose your head over it. Oh, bad for Peter. Bark, bark. (laughs) I will get the newspaper. (laughs) 
So Will Fisk responded on the Facebook group Star Trek Online Xbox One. Thanks for adding console to this. I've been checking these out for years. Good info. Midnight replied, we're happy to discuss console news and information on the show. Please feel free to respond to anything we talk about or add any suggestions, comments, or advice you think others should know, as we always read out any, fa uh, any feedback that we get. And yes, we do, because I just did. Even Midnight's response. <laughs> and here we are again, back at the novella. Hi, Alex! Alex responded from the forums. Yay! Good morning, Tribbles. The DS9 documentary. The more I think about it, the less I like what's happening here. See, I don't doubt their legitimacy. I admit that I did not know that Adam Nimoy was an executive producer for Discovery. I knew that Rod Roddenberry had been hired as a producer, but thanks for letting me know about Adam Nimoy. The issue I have here is more along the lines of the whole legal kerfuffle around Axanar just ended, and these people offered nothing but names. Axanar had a few names too, and sorry, Midnight, we may know that Stephen, uh, that our Stephen Bear showed up in the credits for DS9, but any slightly more casual fan will be more familiar with the actors, or rather their faces. These slightly more casual fans should not have to Google these names to figure out if this is legit. The people who want your money should be more than willing to jump through an extra hoop or two to convince you that they are the real deal. Especially after Axanar. But no, the fans just have to throw their money at the screen. You'd like to point fingers at the people who are still willing to throw money at Axanar without looking at the facts. Okay, show me the facts in this case. We argued whether or not this, and for the love of Spock, is for-profit or non-profit. I don't know, and you don't know either. But when in doubt, I will err on the side of caution. I have to assume that both were for-profit, since none of the people behind the projects have offered anything to prove otherwise. XNR may have lacked transparency, but where where's the transparency in these cases? I don't see it. I doubt that they are going to open their books because nobody is asking. Well, may some, maybe somebody is, but definitely not enough people. And remember how I asked why CBS didn't sponsor this documentary or produce it themselves? The more I think about it, the more obvious it becomes. CBS can outsource all the work to the people behind these documentaries, and the fans can't keep their wallets shut. There's no risk involved for CBS, but they get their fair share of the rewards. It's, disgusting easily, uh, it's disgustingly easy for them. So why should they move a muscle? Let's face it, it takes the idea of crowdfunding and just twists it and just twists it into the most sickening way possible. Thoughts? Well, first of all, one thing I noticed um during the feedback um when I read this was the fact that I had actually said that Adam Nimoy was an executive producer, but I'd actually got that wrong. Um I was actually thinking of Rod Roddenberry, not Adam Nimoy. Because it's Rod Roddenberry who is actually um, one of the executive producers of Discovery. 
So I'd got that part wrong. Okie dokie. Um, secondly, this isn't a fan production. And yes, one of the questions we've raised is, um, what is this money being spent on? Um, it is slightly different, but we don't know how. Uh, and yes, I've put a request in for an interview, whether or not we can get any. And um, I read out the response that we got last week. And I did clarify to them that we don't actually need, if we can't get um, Ira or we can't get Adam, that's not important to us. Yes, it'd be great to have them on the show. But if we had somebody else behind um, the show that would talk to us, we'd be happy to talk to them if they can answer the questions. I sort of said, we're not looking to discuss the XNR case at all with anyone. It's just because of the case that people have questions. Um, I haven't had any further response at all. But um, yeah, if I do, um, of course, as always, I will sort of let people know. But no, I've still personally backed the project. Um, yes, it could always be a thing that CBS has said... Um, yeah, do it yourselves, and they want to do more, so they've done crowdsourcing, and yes, from the perspective of CBS, there is no risk to them by doing it this way, less money that they have to pay out for, um, which, if that is the case, then yeah, boo to CBS, but we which, will never which, know whether know, which, or not that also, is ever the case. Which, is it could just be that they have wanted to do this, um, so sort of when it came to the love of Spock, this was something that Adam wanted to do with his dad. Now with this one, it could just be, this is something that maybe Ira wanted to do and he got involved with this with Adam and they took it from there. It just meant that in order to cover costs for licensing, um, they've had to go down the crowdfunding um, solution because themselves, they couldn't front all the money. Um, and of course, they've got licensing or probably covered licensing for the parts that they've already sorted. But of course, to make it what they want, they want to do the extra. And of course, hence, they've then done the crowdfunding for that. So, and of course, some of that does include extra licensing from whether it's CBS, Paramount, or any other various partners and writers that are involved in all this complicated stuff. But, um, yeah, it is different than a fan production. Um, it's another one of these areas that it is a documentary, and we will have to see. And no doubt the fact that Alec Peters has said that he wants to create documentaries... Um, we may end up with guidelines around that if that's taken too far. Um, who will know? But from everything that's been specified, they have been talking to CBS and they have their backing. But yes, as yet, there is no proof. But yeah, who knows? Um, maybe we'll get a response. You know, I, I've said it before. Uh, uh, and I may not have said it this well, but yeah, this if 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 this whole thing about the Kickstarter involves them seeking the licensing for uh, f f 
from CBS and Paramount for clips of the show as it looks from their Kickstarter, then this wholly opens the door for somebody like Peters, who says that they want to make a documentary about Trek, to put up a Kickstarter, make the money from the Kickstarter, and then turn around and use said money to get a license from CBS to make the thing in the first place. Which means the fans are paying for the license in the first place. Which makes which makes me turn my head and go, ah, ah, this can skirt all kinds of shit that was just gone through. Because at this point, all the shit that Peters went through was because he didn't have a license. And now this opens the door for him making fans pay the license for him. Yeah, the difference is a fan production is basically he would have to get a license for creating TV and movies, which they're not going to give out because that's their job to do. Whereas a documentary, they're not that interested in doing documentaries. Well, not at this point anyway. Anyway, we've got some more feedback from Alex. Yes, Alex, Alex continues about uh, kit bashes. I dislike their looks, but different folks, different strokes. For some reason, some people like those aesthetics. This game jumped the shark with Agents of Yesterday anyway, so let them have their kit bashes. At least those abominations are more canon than the in-game TOS Connie. No cryptic. I will never let that one slide. Fun is a very subjective thing, and since you seem to believe that fun should know no boundaries, let the kit bash enthusiasts have fun too. Their fun is not wrong. I mean, we know how few people play on the KDF side, and how even fewer people play Gorn, but we just got a tier 6 Gorn ship. And I seem to remember talks about how every Tier 5 ship should eventually get a Tier 6 version. So one day, we should get a Tier 6 Orion Flight Deck Cruiser. That's their niche, so they probably won't get a full carrier. If the minorities within the KDF... If the minorities within the KDF get their ships, the minorities within the Fed majority certainly deserve to get their kit bashes and species-specific ships as well. Okay. Well, thank I'm you, not going to say anything because I've 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 harped on this over and over and over again, and nobody. The 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 parrot line from Cryptic is well, just wait and see, just wait and see. Well, you know that might come out. Just wait and see. We cannot confirm or deny. This is the new one. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you everybody for your feedback. It's always appreciated. And, of course, you can feed back to us on this week's community questions. The question one. What are your thoughts on the Star Trek Online's challenge arena of Sompec? And how did your battle skills fare? Question two. How do you feel about Star Trek Timeline's rewards always being so random? And question three. What seven names would you have the seven planets named as? Okay, well, that is it for this week. As always, if you'd like to join our fleets, Federation side in Star Trek Online is Tribbles in Ecstasy Sci Fleet, and in the KDF, it's Targs and Ecstasy. And in Star Trek Timelines, it's just 
Tribbles and Ecstasy. You can hear us in syndication every Wednesday at trekradio.net and subspace-radio.net. And you can also get us on iTunes, and if you're in North America, you can get us on Google Play. If you'd like to contact us via social media, at Tribbles and Ecstasy for Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Star Trek Riser, and Player.me. You can also get hold of us via email at hosts at tribblesandxc.com. And you can always leave us a voice message via the widget on any of our pages on holosleepmedia.com. Or you can go to speakpipe.com forward slash tribblesinxtc and leave us a message there. So we look forward to you guys contacting us with more of your feedback. And we will catch you next Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. So thank you all for joining us. Take care, everyone. Fly straight, shoot hard. Catch you all later. Bye, everybody. satellite radio for our remastered shows and more you can follow us on twitter at tribbles in xtc or if you have any questions or comments please send an email to tribbles in ecstasy at gmail.com join us next week for another episode of tribbles in ecstasy the only place where tribbles and klingons are friends